Curry for September 1st, 2021, episode number 65. Yes, we are back with a new month, a new round, a new incredible energy. <laughs> After all, I'm Adam Curry here in the Hill Country of Texas, and my friend on the other end is somewhere in Northern Virginia. Good to talk to him again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mo Fox. How you doing, Adam? Well, uh, I'm doing great, Mo. It's so good to speak with you again. It's been ages. It has. It has. It has. Well, we're trying to get our our crap together, trying to get back on track. (laughs) And uh, we have the perseverance, that's for sure. That is for sure. And we do have a full bag for the people as well. Yes. <laughs> Which I know that's what they, that's the only thing they care about, really. You know what I'm saying? This- they really do. They really do. So let's uh, wind up that wheel, the wheel of topics. Let's see what we're going to be talking about today on Mo Facts with Adam Curry, episode number 65, where it stops, nobody knows, except, of course, for Mo. We know exactly what we're going to talk about today. The topic for Mo Facts 65 is. Disgraced actor and comedian Bill Cosby. Yeah. This is one, <laughs> this is one we had to do. This is, this, that whole Bill Cosby thing came at such a weird time in the it, in the timeline of life with everything going on with Corona and with Rona, with the COVID and with just everything. It was like all of a sudden that, and then there was that, and then there wasn't, and that's right. one of the most fascinating <laughs> there things. Wasn't. That exactly, it, it came and then it went. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure this is probably off a lot of people's radars now. But as you know, I like to take a topic and go all the way through. Uh, kind of explain the backstory to this. Uh, one hell of a man, uh, Bill Cosby, if I have to say so myself. Um, but I only know him as Bill Cosby, the uh, TV show, um, Fat Albert, and those things. Right? We don't know who these people are. And the Jello, <laughs> Bill Cosby from the Jello. Right. The kids say darnest things. I mean, he has a. I mean, and then even when you go back to his earlier movies. So Ghost Dad and even before then. Uh, so we don't know these people. But what I would like to do more in, instead of getting into the nuts and bolts of the case is to get into the narrative behind the whole story with Bill Cosby, how he was how he was used, if he was used uh, and why he was used, if he was if he was in. Indeed, you'd well, use. come on now, Mo. It would be a very short show if he wasn't used. We all know you got something up your sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> you so kind of gave it away there. <laughs> no, well, no, it's, it, it's, he might be the puppeteer. I mean, we, who knows? You see, you see what I'm saying? So, what we have to do is, well, without uh, a doubt, at one point yeah. in the in the 80s, in the late 80s, 90s, he was one of the most powerful people in show business. And this is why this is one of my most anticipated shows, one of my most gut-wrenching shows, because and, and with all, um, just to lay it all out there, up until this point of this, these stories coming along, he was one of my favorite people. I mean, like I said, when I mean favorite people as who he portrayed in my childhood mm-hmm. and growing up, I have no, I have no clue who Bill Cosby is as a person. But the what he projected out, we can't deny what impact he had not only on uh, Black Americans, ADOS, but also just the Americans in that grew up in that time. Oh, of the, oh, of the eighties. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, even before the eighties, really. But right. Oh, yeah. Same for me. Like the Cosby's. I was. You, you watched that. You stayed home. You watched the Cosby's. 
and, and that's why I don't think people really understand uh, is the fact we don't have that now except for sports where everybody stops what they're doing to tune into something in television. And that was like a shared conscience, consciousness. Do you right? think we had that with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in, in a similar manner? I think every pre-DVD, pre-DVR. Right, 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 right. It was like you had to catch it or, you know, I mean, we had, of course, we had VHS, but pre-DVR where you could just mash a button and it would record. Right. You, we were all locked in. That was kind of like what the internet and, and social media is now. The water, how we experience yeah. something. The right? water cooler. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Or even the phone call afterwards. I mean, that was one thing I remember. Like, as soon as it went off, like, the phone would ring. You're like, did you see that? And not just necessarily with this show, but in general. Well, then, yeah, of course, with any. And then, you know, my sisters would be like, get off the phone. Right. I'm, I'm expecting a call. <laughs> <laughs> so, with all that said, I guess what we need to do is get into the media coverage of uh, Bill Cosby being released. Good day. We're coming back on the air with more breaking news about Bill Cosby. The comedian was just released from prison after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned the 83-year-old actor's sex assault conviction. Cosby served more than two years of a three to ten year sentence convicted of drugging and molesting Temple University employee Andrea Constant. NBC Justice correspondent Pete Williams joins us. Uh, Pete, what can you tell us about the, the legal reasoning that led to this decision? Well, the court says the facts are very straightforward, that when the victim initially came forward, the district attorney decided not to file charges, that there were too many problems with the evidence, and that he publicly made a statement that he would not pursue these charges, and that he did so in order to free up the possibility that Cosby could be forced to testify in a civil trial that she filed against him later, and that he could not in that civil trial then invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because he was told by the district attorney and believed the advice of his own lawyers that anything he said in the civil trial could not be used against him in the criminal trial if the state tried it again. So he did testify. He did incriminate himself. He said things that were incriminating in the civil trial. And then the district, the uh, the state of uh, uh, Pennsylvania, came back and charged him with the crime. What the Supreme Court said today is, you can't do that. Right, and and I think the technicality is is correct, or the the analysis of it. And I'm no lawyer. <laughs> I'm leaning on my law and order and suits uh, <laughs> a law degree <laughs> yeah. to know. But that was the understanding that if you sign a deal, uh, even in my low uh, legal analysis, is that if you sign a deal, then the deal can't be welched on. Right. used against you and that's the right. whole premise behind this and this is one of those things that was a real mind uh trick for people it's like hold on well well it was also because of that of that testimony he gave that everything was so shocking and all of the allegations you know without ever really having gone through the whole proceedings just rang true yeah and that's the thing what did he what did he admit to because you, as you're going to see, there was a very sly sleight of hands done with what he actually confessed to, mm-hmm. and what they act, how they used that confession as a open and shut case to railroad him off to jail. Oh, why and, does this not not surprise me? And we can have like I want people 
can can we get a trigger warning first of all? Oh, yeah. This is this is a very triggering topic. I'm sorry about that. I know I caught you off guard, but no, no, this I, is a very I, triggering topic. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Your attention, please. Trigger warning has been activated. Now, are you going to go back to you know the reasons why he was convicted in the first place, and we're going to go through some of that we must, I guess, right? To- well, just. Not in the details of the case, because mm-hmm. I believe, and just like most lawyers would believe, the case should have never took place. And so I'm not going to really get into the cases where he did it, he didn't do it, right. that kind of thing. I want to get into, why was this allowed to happen the way it did, uh, the way the, it did. In the way that it did, mm-hmm. when it's clear as day from my law and order uh, <laughs> legal degree. Yes, I, I saw the same it, thing immediately, like, oh, this right. is clearly a violation of procedure. Right, so you, we, everybody was waiting for somebody to step in, but like, oh no, you can't do that. But what, two, by three the way, years later, he's thank, in jail. Thank you for doing this, Mo, because no one's going to do this. This is like the guy's guilty, done, cut and dry. Um, he's rich, so he got off on the technicality. I mean, that mm-hmm. that I think is the narrative that people are kind of. I mean, there's a lot more stuff that they got to worry about these days, but I think if you asked anybody, they'd be kind of yeah, that's kind of what happened with him, and they, and they don't care anymore. I'm sure. And two things could be true, right? He could be accused, actually uh, did, I'm not going to use the word guilty, but he could actually have done what he's accused of doing, mm-hmm. but still not or the, by, by our rules and laws of America, Yes, n- not been uh, convicted of it due to, I don't think this would be considered double jeopardy. I think it no. was the fact that he... Testify no. under the understanding that he wouldn't be. It couldn't. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's a Fifth Amendment right. It's, it's you don't have to correct. incriminate yourself. And and going into this show, I'm of the opinion both can be true. Right. That's so that's, that's where we, I'm at. That's where I'm okay. at. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people are that now to what extent? <laughs> right. Because we. Okay. Let's. I don't want to get too far into it, but that's that's the layout of the first maybe third of the show is just looking at why was this allowed to happen to him when it's clear as day, if me and you was his lawyers, we could have got him off. If, you know, if, if we're go- going by the law. Well, so. yes, going by the law, not going by media because the media had, was just cutting him down. That was just done. I mean, we got the, the women coming out. The timing was right. It was, you know, Weinstein stuff in the picture all over the place. Yes, it was. It goggles, was goggles carry. Goggles. <laughs> Sorry no, about that. No, no. From the future, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sorry. The, not to belabor this point, this clip, but I just want to point out that he actually was forced, not forced, but agreed to testify because he couldn't use the Fifth Amendment as his protection in a mm-hmm. civil trial. Right. So it's like he got double screwed because. You told me that I couldn't be used against me in the uh, criminal trial, so I'll tell you what I know in the civil trial, and I'm sure he had to pay out for the civil trial. Yeah, yeah. And then he turned around and get, you know... They used uh, used in the criminal trial. (laughs) Right. So that was just a fascinating... And this is where the... If you want to divide it down a race line and even down a gender line, Mm -hmm. the race was like... Black people were like... Some black people, uh, as you're going to see... Like, hold on. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> saying that's that's not the that's not justice. Mm-hmm. But as we talked about on this show, mm-hmm. justice is not what we think justice is right. um, at all. And then down the gender line, it's like, well, yet again, you have some men that say, well, 
even if he did do it by the law, he shouldn't be tried for it. So just to, just to lay that out. So I'm glad. Just want to get the context of what we're talking about here. So we can go ahead and get into the clip number three. You can't do that. You made him. Uh, you gave him a reason to believe that he could testify at the civil trial without putting himself in jeopardy of the criminal prosecution. The Pennsylvania court said our sense of fair play and decency uh, compels us to believe that the district attorney, the district attorney, had to stand by the decision that was made by a predecessor in the office not to charge. So that's the reasoning of the court. The outcome, Lester, is that he cannot be tried again on these charges. That means that the woman at the center of this case, uh, she can't uh, be the subject of another criminal prosecution. This one is over. Now, that doesn't mean that other victims could come forward and the state could uh, investigate and decide whether or not to pursue criminal charges based on entirely different facts, but there can't be a retrial on this case. We know that there are other women who testified uh, of what they thought was similar behavior against them. Uh, there's a statute of limitations is- issue. Would that prevent some of these cases from going forward? Potentially, and the court doesn't uh, explicitly says here that they're not making any decision about any other potential case or any of the testimony that was offered in the civil trial. They simply say that issue isn't before us and we're not going to answer it. Yeah, this whole thing really stinks. I mean, it kind of <laughs> passed us by, you know, again, it was like, what, what, what? Oh, okay. Because it was perfect. And you'll see how it was perfect when it first ramped up was right at the beginning of the election cycle. 2016 right. yeah so right. it kind of got faded there and then through the whole trump you know uh administration you know uh yeah every, office, everyone's doing other stuff right right but trump was a victim of the same thing bill cosby was and the same thing is what now we're seeing with deshaun watson the football player down in houston mm. and even to the extent of tiger woods and what that is is when one victim comes out there's this floodgate of women that say, "Oh yeah, me too, me too, me too." Not no pun intended. That well, at the he time, did something it, to it, me. It was literally me too, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, there was a lot of me too going on, right? But what I'm saying is, this feeds into. See, now we got. This is why we do the show mm-hmm. <laughs> because whenever you see a black man accused of some kind of sexual assault in this manner, mm-hmm. of that level, let me let me be clear, of that level of celebrity, mm-hmm. there's always a floodgate to follow it. And that's why I said with Deshaun Watson, I think he's up to 20, 30 women. Um, oh, I, I, Trump, I see. Trump the, experienced the bottom. Right. And no, I see what you're saying. The, flo- <laughs> the floodgate is more, not more men being accused, but that that man being accused by more women. Right. Mm-hmm. And like what you saw with Trump and that Trump right. experienced the bottom, right? It was, uh, excuse me, 45 Savage, because I don't want to trigger anybody. Um, but <laughs> it was another oh, yeah, person no, he had, and he another had, he had person 20. And yeah another, it was like 20 right, or something yeah right and it, it those are crim i mean well criminal or civil or uh, uh i would say well dude it, his, his before he was you know his, he was just president and was already golden shower with russian hookers i mean yeah there was a lot <laughs> a lot of accusations right so this the same but in the same time he wasn't hauled off to jail like Bill Cosby was. On a, on a, when I say Trump that charge, right, I mean you. that the right, fact of the fifth, his protections of his Fifth Amendment, right, mm-hmm. uh, were, were violated, and nobody stepped up to save Bill. Right, nobody. But Cosby actually got arrested. Right, arrested, 
perp walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and we and we see we see how this stuff normally works. Normally it's worse than somebody his caliber. The lawyer picks up the phone. Hey, Bill's going to come through the back door at 5 p.m. You know, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. and we're going to get this. When you see the perp walks, and, and I want to lay it out and juxtapose it to when you see people like, uh, uh, what's the guy's name that Trump's uh, got a, uh, got arrested for? Um, I mean, got arrested for Trump. Uh, Manafort's, you see mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Um, uh, Roger Stone's. It's like 6 in the morning, boom, kicking down the door, right. calling them out. You know what I'm saying? When you see that, that is a media spectacle. <laughs> and yeah. that's what was done to Bill. Right. And I want I want to make this last point is with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods did nothing illegal. No, he now, just he had did, a, he, he just had an affair. Well, what same thing. It was 18, 20, 27, 30 women. Come on, like, yeah, I was Tiger Woods Tiger Woods girlfriend. So when you see these things, this plays on the And I uh, I just want to say just as a yes. guy Mm-hmm. Now I'm uh, moving up on 57 years. Um, I know a lot of men, celebrities, who have indeed have a lot of sexual relations with a lot of women. Correct. So I'm not saying that that didn't happen. No, but I'm saying the way it was covered. Mm-hmm. They were saying like it's like oh, I mean, and they do this thing. You see it in the media where the front page right. is like picture a picture like block at the block at the block of women. And it's like, you know, this is his hit list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this plays into the narrative that specifically black men are sexual predators, and right. which plays into the history of lynching and all the other stuff that comes with it. So they, gotcha. don't let that be lost on you. No, no, <laughs> you I hear see, you. I hear you. When this is seen, it's like, what the hell is going on here? You know what I mean, like, you don't see less moon vests or none of these people perp walked and, you know what I'm saying, treated in the manner that, that Bill Cosby is. Um, and we're still saying that two things can be true at the, you know, at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so now we're going to go over well, to Har- Harvey Weinstein did get perp walked. Well, of course he was giving up. I mean, yep. you know how it goes. Like yep. we always talk about Soros, right? Yep. Soros is not pulling all the strings <laughs> in the new world order, right? He, somebody got to draw the, the uh, short straw. <laughs> I think the same thing with Mad- Madoff, right? Madoff ran all this by itself. Come on. I mean, I think they sit in the room. Either it's like, okay, you got to take this case. <laughs> Sorry, Bernie. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? You got to take this case, and like it's like, well, my kids gonna be all right. Yeah, my grandkids. Yeah, yeah, they're good. All right, I'll take it. Or is who can we put up on the altar to be sacrificed? Mm-hmm. I don't know which which case it is, but I just think these people are representative of a problem that they're trying to present as being taken care of. Well, and that's in with all organized crime, I guess. Of course, yeah, we may. We may took all the cases in the wires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some more potato exactly. Salad. <laughs> I was thinking of it. Didn't want to say it, but yeah. Yes. Ever since I've seen the the wire, now I get it. Uh. Got you. Mm-hmm. Got them. Mm-hmm. We got them, folks. We oh got yeah, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's get into now. We're going to go over to CBS this morning with Gail, uh, and she's speaking to Gloria Allrich. We are joined now by Janice Baker-Kenny, who took the stand as a witness in Bill Cosby's 2018 trial. She testified that she was sexually assaulted by the actor in the 80s. And her lawyer, Gloria Allred, who represents dozens of women accused, who have accused Bill Cosby of assault. Good morning to you both. Janice, I want to start with you, because last night it was reported that you were processing this, this latest turn of events. What's your reaction today, and how are you feeling? Well, good morning, Gail. I'm still processing everything that's going on. I I just need to remember now, and 
it's almost like a mantra for me that he was released on a legal technicality and not because he's innocent. He is not innocent. He'll never be innocent. And I need to hold on to that. So what would justice look like to you now? Because he is claiming that he is innocent. He is claim, claiming that justice has been served. He's going to always claim he was innocent. That that story has never changed. But the 60 plus women that have come forward, we all know the truth. So his legacy, his uh will never be what it used to be. So a little bit of justice served there. He did serve two years, a little bit of justice in the fact that he is a disgraced former America's dad. Um, and I can live with that. Wow. Yeah. That was, that was unnecessary roughness on the play. If you want to take down the patriarchy, I mean, you might as well do it that way, huh? Just bring down America's dad. Yeah. America's dad. Yeah. That's what this is all about. It, it, it does have uh, tinges of race to it, uh, just because of who was the uh, victims or alleged victims and who was the perpetrator. But I think this was a design hit on the patriarchy itself, being she's not America's black dad. Right. You know what I'm saying? This, mm-hmm. this wasn't. Mm-hmm. This, no, this mm-hmm. Bill Cosby was America's. Dad, if you had any family, especially in the black community, you know, the father was intact and they were uh, productive. I was like, oh, they like the Cosbys. That was a literal statement because I'm, I'm an example of one of those cases. Like my family was called like, oh, y'all like the Cosbys. Um, <laughs> seriously. Well, I think I think in my family, we probably certainly to my dad said, why can't she be more like Mr. Huxtable? And, and that's if you want to take down the patriarchy. You got to come at the top dad. Interesting, and even in this, she said that he's he has not admitted anything. It's, it's, it's something like he'll always say he's not. He's always say he's innocent. I, I, I'm I, again. I'm glad you're doing this because I really have no other knowledge other than he admitted to something really crappy that he did, and that's why uh, he went in. And is for the for all the technicality is why he's getting out. But that at some point he did admit to something really bad. And that's the point right there is what did he admit to? The fact that you can't tell me right offhand and you are a media deconstructionist you know saying, by yeah. trade. Yep. Well, that was, was never discussed what he admitted no. to. It's just that he admitted to it. You know, it's like he, you know, he, what did he admit to? He admitted to it. And if he admitted to it, then he has to be guilty. And it's, but it's like, what did he admit to? And we're going to get to that. But I just want to get this. It's two memes is going to go. The one, the thing that he admitted to it, they're just going to run with that. They never pull out the transcripts. And if, if, if they had ironclad stuff in there mm-hmm. that says, I know did everything you're accusing me of. And, you know, just but I'm going to say it in the civil trial to protect myself from uh, legal um, ramifications, from, le- mm-hmm. from, from legal ramifications, then I'll admit to it. Right. But he never said that. Um, I mean, excuse me, the media never said that. They never rolled out the transcripts and showed no. what it exactly admitted to. No. It's just that he admitted to it. You know, but what? And, and then the other thing is that um, um, legal technicality. Legal technicality. Right, right, Well, right. if you should never been on trial, is that a technicality? I mean, like, actually, you know, but they're going to run this these two memes into the ground. So I just want to make people aware. Like I said, I know this may be triggering some people. 
but but the reason why we do this is because there's a deeper story there uh and there is many characters one being mr glory Allred. so let's hear from her in clip number five Gloria, it's Anthony. In your view, is is this decision a, a setback to the Me Too movement? No, Anthony, I don't think it is at all. Uh, there are many women who continue to come forward, uh, many uh, persons who allege that they are victims, for example, of R. Kelly, uh, of uh, Harvey Weinstein in Los Angeles, uh, of many other figures. And they, women are now empowered in the way they never were before. Uh, Janice was very brave when she testified. I'm so proud of her. Uh, and it is, you know, a shock. But it's also very clear that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did not make a decision that Mr. Cosby uh, did not do what he was accused of doing. It was based on a legal technicality, on issues of due process, uh, and it was not based uh, on uh, the merits and the evidence as to whether he did it or not. Actually, to the contrary, uh, the court talked about the statements that Mr. Cosby made in the deposition in the civil lawsuit brought by Andre Constant and called those statements incriminating. Gloria, you represent an accuser in California who's filed a civil case against Bill Cosby. Does this decision affect that case in any way? Hmm. We're, we're going to find that out. Okay. But mm-hmm. Gloria Aldrich, very fascinating character here. Oh, yes. Uh, she, very familiar she, repre- with her. she represents 33 <laughs> of the Bill Cosby accusers. Of course. Um, now, all red. Now, I'm about to go here. You were saying I, I, I didn't prep you for the theorem, but theorem, theorem, theorem. But it's going to get there. Um, red, all red. Is she the red queen? Red queen means, <laughs> yeah. And as in the game of chess, or I mean, saying it's the red queen is able to move swiftly and effortlessly. And then the other thing about that is she's viewed as an antagonist in the story. As she is the queen for the side opposing Alice. See, who is Gloria Aldred? Uh, I'm, I'm throwing it in for you now. I appreciate that. I like it. I mean, I I have really come around to the uh, to the witchcraft and the spells of the world, Mo. I mean, right down to the the Pfizer name change on the on their vaccine. Like I, these are all spells, <laughs> right? So, and, and yeah. The reason why I say is she the Red Queen because is she really working to take these powerful men down or is she just a person in the role to play in a certain role is that she's actually um, portraying, just portraying a role. She's a hired a re- gun. She's a hired gun. She'll do whatever in she what needs way? to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in what way do you mean that? I just come out of curiosity. Uh, this Well, this is what she does. She represents uh, uh, almost class action level suits of women against men. I mean, this is what I've seen her do throughout her career. Certain men. And are you aware who her daughter is? Yes. Yes. Um, also a lawyer. I forget. I, I Lisa mean, Bloom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's an American attorney. Yeah. Known for advising Harvey Weinstein. Stein yes. And right. sexual abuse allegations. Now, hold on it. How is it that you're for women's rights and me too? And your daughter's over here. She's also does the same similar kind of work. But when Harvey Weinstein needs to be advised, they work to advise them. Yeah. No, this, I, this was uh, very controversial at the time. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, yep. just like who, who, who are these people 
and what roles are they playing? And I just find it out. I mean, you might say all red, all red. I mean, that's her name. <laughs> and she actually plays into that with her attire. She's always wearing red. That's correct. It's, which is, is a very power, power move to have a suit like that. I mean, in general, I would say if all red or bloom come your way, you know, you, you need to leave. You just need to get out of the way. If you see those correct. two come and leave, I've, I've always and, and, felt that way about that. So, and then my other question is, did they bring, and this is just a, just a wild question to most, did they let Bill Cosby out so they could run him through the mill again on the civil trials? Before he passes away, when he dies, his 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 catalog is going to go up in value. It's like, can do we milk him now while he's still living? <laughs> but we can't do that while he's in jail. Well, I mean, there's also a personal fame and fortune thing uh, mm-hmm. for all red and bloom, uh, as for a lot of people. So th- there could be many uh, many motivating factors for them doing this and. Uh, but all, uh, from the legal standpoint, I can't really say. But I, it, yeah, it totally seems possible they would do that. No, I'm, I'm saying extra, from a business, extra from a business for the standpoint. Buck. Yeah, yeah, sure. A bit, from a from di- from a business standpoint, and this is why this is why I'm fascinated. And I was really excited about doing the show with you because you could tell me about the entertainment side. Yeah, well, is it true when a person dies, their catalog goes up in value? Correct. In, in general, yeah, in general, but. I mean, the catalog, it, it kind of depends on what you're saying is the catalog. I mean, there would be a boost. But first of all, you know, Cosby stuff was taken off the air when this happened, when all this came down. I mean, he was, you know, a, a version of mainstream deplatforming. Uh, I think they even took the Cosby show off the, some of the older TV networks. But will it go up? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but is it, who that, but who? Yes. I mean, answer, yes. It, it, it basically content we already paid for. 40 years 30 years ago will be uh, valuable again and i feel okay with watching not me but as a just a typical black person you know what I'm saying i put that in huge air quotes um i feel okay with watching it again because bill got off it's like put bill back on tv he got off he was railroaded <laughs> well you, you got some you, we, i'm not ready for that conclusion yet you got we got some more convincing to do on what went no, down no no no, no what i'm saying is just if i'm just paying attention to the media cycle Oh no! But they didn't do that. No, in, in see, I'm, I'm, I'm the point I'm making is that it could be both ways on both sides. If I am a person that is a Bill Cosby fan and I want to watch the Cosby Show, I feel good about watching it again because he was let off. Right? He but, didn't do it. He didn't do it. I mean, in my in the, in a fan's mind, so they feel okay with watching the show again. Yeah, but did the fans hear he didn't do it, or did the fans hear he did it, but he got off on the technicality? It's the same way some people are saying he'll always be guilty, yeah. and he only got off on the technicality. The mm-hmm. other side would be that he got he beat the system. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just telling, and we saw this with the OJ case, you know that kind of thing. Um, that it's like okay, he beat the system. That's a win, you know. We can go back to watching him and feel good about watching him. And maybe the powers of be is like, hey, we we got a product here. We can get it while he's still living. He's fighting all these cases. He might sell pennies on the dollar. I'm just throwing out as a as a as, you know, as a possible reason why he was let out. You know, just pure speculation. But it made no sense for him to be let the out. Time, the it, timing of it was very weird. Very weird. And the, as you hear with Gloria Allred, she's talking about the other cases she has pending civil um, through civil court. Uh, and and another thing she did to lend back to that um, um, that predatorial blackmail trope is 
invoke R. Kelly immediately. Now you right. got all these others. It's another one I forgot about. Yeah, right. R. Kelly, sure. And you notice it. Bill gets out. R. Kelly trial ramps up. Yes, that's true. So I'm I'm just telling you how it's perceived. Hmm. See, I mean, it's kind of I can perceive it how some black people and it's like I said, some men's rights people, I mean, however you want to slice that cake, can look at it and be like, you know what? They railroaded Bill. We're going to take him up as a hero. You know what I'm saying? And that was kind of the thing was but when he was released. Like, now, now, I'll just say that, okay, gotcha. Um, but let's just take R. Kelly as an example. Mm-hmm. Only for me, and I think for most, when you say R. Kelly, it's like, oh, there's a black man who did that. It's like, no, there's a creepy entertainer guy who did that. So I understand the perception mm-hmm. from, from um, uh, if you're talking about yourself, I, under, I completely understand the perception uh, boy, I, I, that's not how I was thinking at all. In fact, of course, I also don't think that way about Bill Cosby. You know, it's like, I, it's not, none of that was racial in my mind until you came along, Mo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> it but, wasn't but, racial until you made it that way, okay? This is why these stories are so great to be used by the media because it can mean different things to different people and they take away whatever that, you know, however they're invested in the story. Right. Uh, Older men might say, hey, that, back in my days, you know, yeah, and like yeah. younger men, but like, see, I told you women's rights and feminists, you know, they hate men. It, it, it could be taken any way. And then it's amazing that Black Lives Matter didn't come to Bill's defense. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I'm just telling you that these are why these stories exist, I believe, is because they can get you engaged in it emotionally and when you're engaged emotionally then it makes it more easy for the spell to be uh uh acted on you so that I mean that's just my just, yeah. just my two cents yep well um, when you said america's dad then all of a sudden yeah that part started and that and totally from a patriarchy standpoint gotcha right totally so so i guess we can go ahead and wrap up with the final uh our rich clip does this decision affect that case in any way it does, actually, because now that he is a free man, now that he cannot be retried, he cannot claim uh, or uh, invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against uh, incrimination and, and, and decline to testify. Uh, in our civil lawsuit, which alleges that our, our client, Judy Huth, uh, was uh, victimized, was a victim of child sexual abuse by Mr. Cosby at the Playboy Mansion, uh, we have an order compelling him to sit for a second deposition. The first is under seal. Uh, in this second deposition, which we intend to take prior to trial, uh, we intend to ask him many, many questions under oath. He is going to be compelled to answer them because he can't uh, invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. Hey, Janice, it's Tony DeCopel. Uh, it, it takes a toll on a person to come forward in a case like this. It takes a toll on a person to testify at trial. I'm curious, knowing what you know now about the outcome, would you still go back and take the stand? And what would you say to other women who may be hesitating in different cases right now? Well, I would go back in a New York minute. Um, And it's because of the support of all the survivor sisters. We're this loving group that 
will reach out to anyone to help them come forward like uh, many of us did. The Survivor Sisters? Survivor Sisters, like mm-hmm. 60 of them, they get together and... and they have little meetings. Which, which they have meetings and, and like I said, who if, if they're actually your survivors, maybe it's a coping mechanism for them. But sure. I just find it convenient that Gloria has all these charges, I mean, all these criminal, I mean, civil cases lined up. And she said he cannot use his Fifth Amendment to protect him. He has to testify. And we have an old, um, aging before our eyes, you know, it seems what's kind of like frail and feeble. I mean, I don't use, I don't use those disrespectfully, but it's get him on that stand, allude to whatever he admitted to in the cases, mm-hmm. in the previous case. He has to be guilty. He has to be guilty. And you're going to talk about 100000 200000 500000 You know what I'm saying? Just like draining him. Oh, he already paid $3 million, I think, with the first the first. And she got, she got more lined up, as she just said. Hey, um, the thing, uh, you, you, you rang the bell. Mm-hmm. Now, this Playboy Club allegation, or the Playboy Mansion, uh-huh. do you know what year this is from? We'll get into that. Because uh, I just wanted to say, because I've seen okay. some old Playboy... Uh, TV shows with Cosby. We'll get to that too. <laughs> we're, we're at, go ahead, go ahead though. Go ahead. Well, because yeah. it's like, no, you know, it's, yeah, it's like Bill was up. a player, man. He was a, I'm sorry, player. The mm-hmm. whole show, like it was just like super, like sophisticated but sexy and, and shit. And I, you know, I've never been to the Playboy Mansion. But I know plenty of people who have. There's sex going on there. In America's the grotto, whorehouse. everywhere. I mean, come on. It's America's whorehouse. Pretty I mean, much. I mean let's, let's just call it what, I mean, pretty, pretty much. much. That's exactly what it is because you know when you go there, it's like everything's prepaid though. Yeah, it's, it's like, that's it's not like, exactly true because there's special, you have to buy special Playboy coins and, you know, and so you can pay for stuff with that. I'm I'm reliably oh, like informed. Chuck e. Cheese. Oh, you yes. have to convert your money to tokens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Bitcoin. <laughs> Hello, America's whorehouse. And, I, I mean, uh, yeah. and and we're gonna get into the and it's, we're going there. We're going uh, all the way. Okay. If, I, if I wasn't gonna do this show, if I couldn't go all the way there, yeah. Uh, but the Playboy Mansion full of his white bunnies, the Red Queen. Oh yeah, we going all the way there. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> bring it, Mo. Bring it. Alice in the Wonderland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going down the rabbit hole because I would I went down a serious one with this uh with this show. So now we're gonna go over to the um prosecutor that took Bill Cosby down, and that is one Miss Kristen Gibbons um Fendon. So she's on MSNBC, so let's go ahead and get into that clip. It's a lot to take in this morning. Disgrace actor and comedian Bill Cosby. Wait, 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 wait. I want I got say one thing. This is when the case first broke so we're going back in time all oh, right bit. okay okay I, I just gotta i gotta make that clear you know what I'm saying? Right. so we're going back to when the case started picking up steam back in 2015 2014 okay no no no, no. excuse me this is when he was convicted of the case so this is not the beginning but this is the, like the middle when he was actually convicted okay i'll give us a little sound effect so, so we know we're going back in time Mo. yes <laughs> 
It's a lot to take in. This morning, disgraced actor and comedian Bill Cosby is waking up in jail. A day after being sentenced to three to ten years in a Pennsylvania prison, months after he was convicted of drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constant back in 2004. The 81-year-old led away in handcuffs after a judge ruled he is a sexually violent predator. Kristen Gibbons Fedden was the prosecutor in the case. She joins me now. Kristen, you are the one who went to Andrea Constant three years ago. Has justice been served? Did you think this day would happen when you started working on all of this, especially given what a superstar, an icon Bill Cosby was? It's interesting that you asked that question. Um, when we decided to uh, charge Bill Cosby, um, and when I spoke with Andrea and met her and saw how steadfast she was, how brave, how courageous she was, I knew that regardless of the result, justice would be served. Her message would be set forth, her story would be told, and she would be able to confront Bill Cosby as a, sexually pre as a sexual predator that he was when he sexually assaulted and drugged her that night. Did the Me Too movement have an impact on this trial? Well, um, during the voir dire process, all of the jurors were asked if they could remain uh, fair and impartial and put anything that they may have heard about the Me Too movement to the side. And I do believe that they were able to do that. Um, but in terms of the support and the advocacy that she re that she received, Andrea Constant received in the public's eye, I think it had definitely a significant impact in that regard. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. <laughs> Excuse my language. How, how could any man at that time get a fair trial with the whole Me Too whirlwind swirling. It's not happening. So that was a very disingenuous <laughs> question. And another thing is, now I'll turn it over to you, uh, Kristen, I mean, excuse me, Stephanie Rule asked her, saying, uh, she said, you approached the victim. You went to the victim. So it's not like the victim came out of the, you know, out of the woodworks right. and was like, oh, I want justice. Mm -hmm. She'd already got her justice with the civil case. Mm-hmm. And how does this uh, Stephanie, excuse me, uh, Kristen Gibbons Finnan, who is a black woman, allegedly, um, I'm, I'm just saying, uh, appears to be, I don't know if she's ADOS or not, but she she's, appears to be a black woman. How do you not know about his Fifth uh, fifth Amendment rights and how they're being violated? I mean, this, this, is what, this is what perplexes a lot of people. And it's not like you're making me defend Bill. I don't want to defend Bill, you know, because... If he did what he said, accused of, there's no defense of that. But at the same time, it's like, hold on, where you can't violate people's rights to get them. Mm -hmm. um, because if that were, if, if justice breaks down, <laughs> I mean, we have no shot at all. <laughs> what you're doing here is, is something very difficult. I mean, you are a black man defending a black man of something he was convicted, you know, narratively convicted yeah. of and, mm -hmm. and let off on a technicality. Which he should never have been on trial in the first place. And this is part of the defense that is that, you know, people cannot process what you're saying when you say that. But that they have, I'm going to say this, on the flip side of that coin, we've seen certain white men, white society says, hands off, you can't have him. I don't, I don't care what he said, what he did, and we saw this with 45 Savage. People didn't care what he did. What he was accused of. It's like he that's our guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. um, no matter what I'll just go back to Bill. No matter what Bill did, the uh the net sum total, uh, he's good for our society. And if he did do it, 
Let us handle it. Okay, right? so, so there's a little extra piece to that from the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only speaking from the narrative that I've that I've caught and followed, you know, in the past 20 years. And mm-hmm. part of that narrative was uh, Bill Cosby is wagging his finger at everybody, telling everybody what to do. Now, this could have also been completely narrative driven. Um, mm-hmm. I have some personal experiences where, um, you know, he definitely is an arrogant, arrogant guy. And I'll say he's an asshole. Excuse my language. I mean, he definitely was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have the proof. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. you, you've heard the you've heard the Chris, uh, no, the Eddie Murphy story when you know Bill Cosby bitched him out and all this crazy yep. stuff. So we've heard all that. So I'm com- that's completely tainted and part of the human nature. Certainly, when it comes to celebrity, is you know, it, it, celebrities are. It's like the blue check mark. You know, it's like hey, we're just waiting for someone to mess up. And you know, there's a lot of reasons to hate Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of reasons to love Bill Cosby, but over the years, the past 20 years, I think it really culminated with the pull your pants up, although I agree with it. Mm-hmm. I like that. They pull your pants up, son. Shut up. Um, that that was priming, priming, uh, yeah, it was primer for what happened, for, for the response where people go like no oh friends. yeah makes yeah. Uh, i've told of course that guy did that ah douche so yeah and that's a, i think it's a human response but i'll say this and as many and, I, and I, this is a loosely based uh comparison but we've seen where guys have been victim of shootings cop shootings mm-hmm. that have a rap sheet and black Lives matter still does mental gymnastics to make a case for these people uh, to why they need to be held as uh, heroes and be protected. So it's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, black Black Lives Matter was nowhere to be found on this. So, that, that's yeah. my point. It's not. No, I'm not yeah. looking for white society to protect Bill. Mm-hmm. But it's black. But you hit on a, a very important point that he made himself no friends mm-hmm. <laughs> and didn't make it easy for him to be protected. Right. But nonetheless, my thing with this case is if we can violate one person's rights, especially of that size. We and can you do have lawyers anybody. on both sides. I yeah. mean, how can she, with good heart? I mean, I'm sure there's something similar to the Hippo- Hippocratic oath uh, for no, lawyers. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, no, stop. No, there's no such thing. <laughs> it has to be. No, <laughs> there is no, there is no such thing. The only thing I can say is Red Queen have black heart. That's no. <laughs> that's for sure. I know there's a producer out there. It has to be somewhere out that you have to act in good faith. No. When dealing with crunk. Like, don't you like when you had to recuse yourself and all of that? I mean, isn't that part of it? Like, hey, I know it's wrong. Hey, I know it's my brother-in-law. You know what I'm saying? That's my brother-in-law's business. Hey, I can't participate well, in this Well, conflict trial. of interest, but. Uh... Okay. I just want to lay it out. I mean, because this is, I'm going off my, once again, my law and order. Sure. And suits. Legal. legal uh, uh, and, and by the way, my, my, my first response with Cosby, what well, uh, two responses? My first response was, "Oh, well, he got screwed. So yeah, he deserves to get let off. You know that. Wow, I, that's rare that this kind of happens at that level." And my mm-hmm. second response is, "When is this going to happen next, Derek Chauvin? I mean, who's this going to have this? You know, these technicalities. This that's pretty sloppy. And uh, this so this could happen with all kinds of high profile cases, or you can get railroaded that way too. Obviously." Right. And that's that's what when we speak of justice, we're talking about fairness, not this moral 
uh, <laughs> well, morally, we're going to do the right thing, even though it goes against them saying what law says. No, we can't have that. Even though, even in this case, you can, like I said, two things can be true, but we can't let that kind of law, uh, legal, um, miscarriage of miscarriage of justice is what I like to say, uh, happen because if it can happen to him, it can happen. And I, I have that can happen to anybody for anything. So next will be the statute of limitations go away. We've seen NDAs basically become nothing. I mean, we said total uh, disintegration of the legal system, which hasn't been favorable to people on my side in the first place. But it's like, come on. I mean, like, you can't do bill like this. And I'll say this once again. At some point, and it's a question. It's not a statement. Can a group stand up and be like, you can't have him? We know about Elvis Presley. We know about, you're saying, him having a young wife. You're not getting Elvis Presley. I don't care what well, I don't care what you say. Certain segments of society is not going to let Elvis Presley be canceled. Uh, and there's other ones out there. Um, and even with I'll go back to R. Kelly, it's not about the people; it's about the money because they'll pull all R. Kelly songs off the radio, but they'll let Aaliyah songs play with R. Kelly in them. How does that make sense? Make that make sense? It's like, hold on, I thought we were taking our Arca- Whoa, 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 no, no, that don't affect uh, uh, Aaliyah's estate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I'm just, just what I'm doing is painting the picture of why when you talk to somebody, you can see the frustration or the or the why this would happen. That's all. That's right. All well, I'm doing. I, so thinking about that music. And music catalog is definitely more valuable. Can is is easy to get value from because people all of a sudden want to listen to songs. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's still not what it used to be. With TV shows, it's it's very very different. I think the money, if if we're going after money in this case, or partially, that's Cosby himself. He has he has a lot of money, like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, he's super paid. And yeah. but the other thing is, is with the content <clears throat> when you have uh He he may be he's probably this, a billionaire, by the way. He's yeah. probably a billionaire. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um but when you see uh when you see um content focused uh platforms like Netflix or whatever, fill in the blank Amazon, his show has to be worth a lot of money because it's something that you can cut on and it'll mindlessly play in the background, which that's all the content platforms care about, right? Like uh, office, you can cut the yeah. office on. You're not even really watching it, but it's on. Right. So, um, not saying now, but I think just as a business, looking at it with a business mind, they could easily say, Hey, let's go buy this Cosby thing up for pennies on the dollar and just sit on it. He'll come back around. You know what I'm saying? People will forget what he, I mean. Now he's he never done nothing. I mean, you look at this case 20 years from now, it's like, oh, yeah, he was convicted, but he got off. And that would be the footnote. So, Right. Well, just so you know, <laughs> over over the years, the Cosby show has generated probably close to $5 billion. <laughs> I remember we used to come on back to back to back to back every yeah. afternoon, yeah. like three or four shows, and you would sit down and watch it. Martin's the same way. It's certain, certain shows in our community, quote-unquote community, um, that it just you can sit down and watch them over and over again and it's because i remember where i was at when i saw that 
I remember that as a kid, you know, that kind of thing. That's why Elvis would never be canceled because people are like, hey, I remember when I was in the backseat with Johnny, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, on, mm-hmm. on the bluff. You know what I'm saying? You can't take that away from my childhood or my teenage years. I mean, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it's all about that. I mean, I'm not like, we don't care about Bill Cosby. Let me be honest. We don't care about Bill Cosby, the person. We don't care about Elvis, the person. <laughs> we can't, we're invested in them and what their impact on our childhood and memories are. That's the only reason we care about these people. True. So, I mean, uh, yeah, mini, mini rant, <laughs> but fascinating timeline. Let's, let's listen to when uh, Bill was convicted. I say this because I know it's a completely different situation, but here we are with with the Supreme Court Justice nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, he has accusers, and our own president is repeating these narratives of, I don't know, were people drunk, it was a long time ago, where were her loving parents, which is the opposite of what Me Too is trying to do. Absolutely. I think the Me Too movement is dynamic, and even though there are going to be some people who are going to continue to assassinate the character of these Actually, these sexual assault victims and More survivors. than some people. Some of the most powerful people in the world. Absolutely, and that's going to remain. But you know what? Now, these survivors have a community, and they have support. And with the conviction of Bill Cosby, they now know that justice can be served, that justice can prevail. And again, I know there are very different situations, but tomorrow, when Brett Kavanaugh's accuser, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, is going to be questioned, they're now bringing in a sex crimes specialist, a woman who has decades of experience. Is due process uh, taking place here, seeing that it is just Christine Ford and it is just Brett Kavanaugh? We're not subpoenaing Mark Judge. Uh, uh, There is no FBI investigation. Can she actually do her job here? You know, due process is the opportunity to be heard. Um, And I admire Dr. Ford, given this constrained process coming forward under these constraints, being uh, scrutinized in the public eye and also in in the in the in the in, for the Judiciary Committee. Excuse me. Um, can due process occur under these settings? It's going to remain to be seen. It's kind of fun to do this after the <laughs> fact because I had completely forgotten how that intersected with the Brett Kavanaugh uh, uh-huh. Supreme Court hearing uh, timeline. Yep, Bill, Bill just happens to be convicted right when Kavanaugh's, uh, a day before when um, Blasey Ford is supposed to testify, which I'll say as a side note, if we, if I've ever seen anybody that could possibly be an MK Ultra victim. It was uh, Blasey Ford. <laughs> this little child voice. I mean, I'm just saying. So yeah. he gets taken down when uh, when the 20, uh, 2016 election is ramping up. He gets convicted. Right when, you know, right when uh, Kavanaugh goes on trial and Kavanaugh's another one, they just brought people out of his past and like, oh, let's just lay it all out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you see how people rallied around him to protect him. There was none of that for Bill. You better be bringing Clarence Thomas into this thing pretty soon. (laughs) Got me some long Don silver bet on it. Man, I'm trying, that's another show for another day. Uh, Similar in the same case. Yeah. One of the things that one of the side stories I want to point out is it's amazing how when uh, the boule turn their back on you, Mm. no protection. Bill's handed out a lot of those bills you talked about. And nobody came to his defense. Nobody. Which could also be just because everyone thought he was an incredible dick. 
It's like, you know, yet, your yet money's great. Yeah. Yet, yet and still. It's certain in certain cultures, you you certain people that you can't take. If you gave me a list to say, okay, who's on that list of untouchable <laughs> right. in the black community prior to this? It would be like Oprah, Obama, Bill Cosby. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You like Bill didn't get nobody to come out for him? That was very blaring to me. Um, that was like, wow, this, this is orchestrated in some kind of way where nobody took up for him. But Well, so there's some, there were some people who took it up for him. Who? Um, was it some, someone who worked with him? Uh, Most of his cat. Well, we will get to, yeah, there's one person that took up for him. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, okay, so now we're going hopping over to CNN, and this is uh, Elon Hognick. Hognick. Uh, he's a legal analyst and he's gonna slam Bill Cosby's, Bill Cosby's prosecutors. Bill Cosby has not been exonerated. Nobody has said he didn't do it. Nobody has said he is innocent. The people to blame here are the prosecutors. And there, there's two aspects to that. First of all, Bruce Castor, the district attorney who made this deal back in 2004, 2005, where he essentially said, I don't believe we have enough evidence to prosecute him criminally. That enabled Bill Cosby, forced Bill Cosby to testify in his criminal deposition. That's why, that's the deal that Bruce Castor made. Can he be faulted for that? Absolutely. He bears blame for that. And then part two is that future prosecutors came along after Bruce Castor and they said, we're not playing by that deal. We're not observing that deal. And that's what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said is the legal problem here. They said, once Bruce Castor made that deal, we're not going to prosecute you. Like it or not, good deal or bad deal, future prosecutors that came after him were bound by that. And when they went back on that deal and tried him, that's what they say violated Bill Cosby's rights. That's what this decision was about. And Laura, I mean, as Bryn was just pointing out, you know, he's never, Bill Cosby has never admitted guilt. He's always maintained his innocence. However, in the deposition in 2005, when he thought that this was a civil case and he was never going to be prosecuted, he did admit what he did. So all of these accusers, I mean, the vast majority say that he drugged them unknowingly and then had sex with them against their will. And in that deposition, the question from Andrea Constand, one of the accusers, uh, from her attorney was, when you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Bill Cosby replies, yes. Okay. You, you see the trick they did there? Did well, you first, put, did you, first of all, go ahead. It was it was it was a deposition in cases from two thousand five, right? Which was was something completely. I mean, the way I and I, of course I didn't look into it. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, they did this maybe six months ago. They got a dep- deposition or something. Mm-mm. And quaaludes. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, what did what did they do there that you that you thought was. Because they said, first of all, they said Bill Cosby has not admitted to anything. Yes. They said that. Right. <laughs> yes. He hasn't admitted but to anything, then, but. But. There was something about they, the quaaludes that it's he It's a whipsaw. What you call yes, it is a whipsaw. Yeah. 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 They, they definitely asked a question, but it wasn't. Right. So then they say, did did you uh, give the women quaaludes and to have sex? We, maybe we need to go back and listen. Yeah, to I was going to say, let's, but I, I'm, let's let's talk about what we heard first, and then we we'll go back and listen to what we actually heard. Um, basically, they she says that he didn't admit to anything, but in the deposition, he did admit to giving women quaalude that he planned to have sex with. 
That's not the same thing as drugging people. Correct. And then, Correct. then they threw in the middle of that, women said... All right, they, all right, let me let me hear this again. Right, but Castor's successor used Cosby's testimony as a key piece of evidence more than a decade later. Bill Cosby was convicted of drugging and sexually assaulting Constant. Serving- I'm sorry, this is the wrong clip. I'm sorry, my mistake. Here we go. This is the one I want in here. I'm going to pick it up here. Cosby's rights, that's what this decision was about. And Laura, I mean, as Bryn was just pointing out, you know, he's never, Bill Cosby has never admitted guilt. He's always maintained his innocence. However, in the deposition in 2005, when he thought that this was a civil case and he was never going to be prosecuted, he did admit what he did. So all of these accusers, I mean, the vast majority say that he drugged them unknowingly and then had sex with them against their will. And in that deposition, the question from Andrea Constant. Stop, pause, pause right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You on. see how she sandwished that in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Say that he drugged them unknowingly and then had sex with them against their will. And in that deposition, the question from Andrea Constand, one of the accusers, uh, from her attorney was, when you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Bill Cosby replies, yes. <laughs> I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. And that's why they kept saying he admitted to what he did. He admitted to what he did. He admitted to the only thing he admitted to. And like I said, I'm not absolving Bill of anything, um, of any actions. I'm just saying how the media covered this with these tricks. If you if you have slam dunk um, uh, testimony, play it. But she did this whole wind up of he did he didn't admit anything, and in the deposition he was asked. And then women accused him of this. And then she goes back to the deposition and say, when you, uh, he was asked, uh, were you planning to give the quaalude to women you're going to have sex with? He said, yes. So here, that could mean anything. It was like, hey, you well, know here's I mean? the, that could mean anything. Here's the actual transcript. Okay. Uh, you test, question. You testified that he knew you were not going to take them. And I'd like to explain your answer. How did he know or why do you say he knew? Uh, answer what was happening at the time was that that was quaaludes happened to be the drug that kids young people were using to party with and there were times when i wanted to have them just in case mr mm-hmm. colby says he never took the quaaludes this, uh, this is now narration mr colby mm-hmm. says he never took the quaaludes himself because they made him sleepy because he was using them in his efforts to have sex with women he also says that with the exception of one glass of beer he stopped drinking alcohol when he was 16. Question, why didn't you ever take the quaaludes? Answer, because I used them. Q, for what? A, the same as a person would say they have a drink. So it's not even... It, he says that he was, you know, the way I'm reading it, cursory here, mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you, you, you want to toke off of this joint, you want a quaalude, you know, you want a drink get in the mood that's kind of the way he was that's it just reading through this quickly it seems like that's what he uh, admitted to right and all i'm all i'm doing is just deposing that to the way they put the narrative under under oath he said yeah i I crush him up and i I, I put him into the drink now that's allison now that's allison camarota i believe uh allison camarota no, what I'm saying is that that's, they make it seem like that's what he admitted to in his own words that he no, was no, drugging uh, women. 
I understand what you're saying. <laughs> right. Um, Amazon, but Allison Camaretta, who said that on that mm-hmm. clip from CNN, um, she has a story behind her, too. Was she not? Yes. Uh, she, um, she accused Fox of sexual harassment against her before she left for CNN. That makes convenient to have a big mm-hmm. fish taken down like Cosby mm-hmm. when all the, when all these other cases are pending. And I just, I don't, I don't want to belabor this point too long, but I just want to make one other. I'm quick just saying point. she's she's you know she's she's all on board with. Uh, she's invested. <laughs> yeah, she's invested. That's a good way to put it. Yes, she's invested. Yeah. So Eli Hognig said that he called out Bill Castor. I think his name the the prosecutor that made the deal, and then he said the future prosecutors. Never naming Miss uh, Kristen Gibbons F- Fedden that was the one that actually went and sought out the victim. Notice he never name dropped her. Right. <laughs> he just said the future prosecutors. So it's like, hold on, wait, wait a minute. If we're calling out names, let's call out everybody's names. But he didn't do that. Mm. So I just found that as a, a as an interesting omission. So now what we're going to do is we're going to actually listen to Bill Cosby himself speak, and this is when he's fresh out of prison on release. Judy Cosby telling ABC's Lindsey Davis on the phone after his release that his conviction did not match the truth. Tonight, his accusers also reacting to the news. He is no longer in prison. And nobody had the sense to say, wait one second. This doesn't match up with the truth. This is not what I was taught in college. This is not what I was taught at home, et cetera, et cetera. Tonight, Bill Cosby talking to ABC News just hours after becoming a free man. His 2018 sex assault conviction overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court after an appeal. Justice is ruling he should not have been prosecuted because of a deal with former DA Bruce Castor that he would not be charged if he agreed to testify in a 2005 civil suit brought by accuser Andrea Constand. Today's ruling stated that in accordance with the advice of his attorneys, Cosby lied on Castor's public announcement, he would not be prosecuted. But Castor's successor used Cosby's testimony as a key piece of evidence more than a decade later. Bill Cosby was convicted of drugging and sexually assaulting Constant, serving two of his three to ten year sentence before his release today. Dozens of other women accused Cosby of drugging and sexually assaulting them. Today's news leaving many of his accusers stunned and angry. Today, Cosby's longtime co-star Felicia Rashad tweeted support saying, quote, a miscarriage of justice is corrected. She followed that up with another tweet saying she supports survivors of sexual assault and did not intend to be insensitive to, quote, their truth, Judy. Oh, you know what happened there. <laughs> Felicia got the boulet phone. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Let's talk about that. Like Felicia, uh, you got to fix that, baby. You're yeah. just like, mm-hmm. and that's how it works. You can release one tweet. <laughs> And then it's like the phone rings, and that's just a. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, hey Felicia, uh, this is the Boule Inc. calling, and um, <laughs> we like to say that uh, what your uh, statement is doesn't jive well with what we're trying to do over here. So uh, we need you to go <laughs> on social gonna, media and correct that uh, ASAP. Get on board with the program here, Felicia. <laughs> right, and, and on like on cue, mm-hmm. on cue, she corrects her statement, and this is not the first time. 
Felicia Rashad, Bill Cosby's TV wife, finally speaking out. This is more women continue to come forward and protesters are threatening to disrupt three comedy concerts in Canada starting tonight. Now there's Mrs. Huxtable going on the record. Yeah, tonight's top story, more Cosby crash and burn. Will his TV wife stand by her man? You were on the set with him for more than a decade, working very closely with him. It, at no time did you ever see anything inappropriate? What I saw was fun. Never anything inappropriate. What I saw was work and play at work and fun. Mrs. Cosby was a frequent visitor to the studio. She was there a lot. That's what I saw. Felicia Rashad, Bill Cosby's TV wife for more than eight years, is finally speaking out. She tells ABC News correspondent Lindsay Davis she learned about the claims against Cosby along with the rest of the world. I can't even speak to those things and don't want to. The sit-down airing on ABC News came just hours after Rashad was quoted on the website Showbiz411, where it sounded like she was implying there was some sort of plot against Cosby. Here's the purported quote. Forget these women. What you're seeing is the destruction of a legacy, and I think it's orchestrated. I don't know why or who's doing it, but it's the legacy. That was a misquote. And that is not what I said. <laughs> what I said is this is wow. not about the women. This is about something else. This is about the obliteration of legacy. Oh, well, that's that phone is real. It's right, man. That's, that thing is off the hook now. It's like... <laughs> it's real and and that's why you don't have just to pat ourselves on the back uh a show like this on the mainstream because this, my boule phone would have been rung yeah. by like clip four it's like <laughs> hey um and the way it works it's like it's not like a huge power structure it's just that somebody knows somebody that knows somebody yeah. and they'll have your friend call you like hey um not looking too good, you know. Uh, you might want to go out and you know, get ahead of it. That's what they use. They use those terms. You might want to get ahead of this. You you know, get, get ahead of this of issue. Yeah. Right. Get out in front of this. Yeah. Because, see, because Claire Huxtable, and I use her TV name for a reason, legacy is at stake. Yeah. Because exactly. the only thing that she is, is legacy. <clears throat> to the masses is Claire Huxtable. Mm -hmm. No Cosby show, no Claire Huxtable. Right. Who is she? But at the same time, she also has loyalty to the sisterhood. <clears throat> She's in a tough spot. Yeah. And she knows how it goes down in Hollywood. I mean, she knows. And she's like, this is mass uh, conspiracy. Now, like, like I said, you can be guilty of something, but the powers that be, they're saying cover it up for you. And I think that's how this whole thing works in general. If you know how Skull and Bone works, they want to know all your dark secrets. You land the casket, you tell all your dark secrets. And Bill's landing the casket, he's like, oh, yes, I like to put quaaludes in women's drinks. You know, that's my thing. And they're like, great, Bill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, awesome. But they take those secrets and use them and weaponize them when they see fit. And it's like, well, we need a big name for me, too. Who, who we got up? It's like, oh, yeah, Bill. And I, I know we're talking, speaking about this in gallows humor, but we have to because it's a very heinous crime that crime set of crimes that uh, allegedly happened but at the same time this takedown is one of the most fascinating takedowns i've seen in my life yeah it really is and and 
it's nothing compared to the, you know, they've got the Cuomo takedown, the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it puts all this stuff in, in interesting perspective. But where's the handcuffs, though? Yeah, right. Oh, no. No, he got to slip out the back door. I mean, ten, tens of yeah, thousands and, and of he, people. And he, was, he wasn't 15,000. He wasn't elected official doing this to uh, people in his office. I mean, allegedly. Now can you understand the frustration with so-called black people in the justice system? This yes. Is what, this is what causes the frustration because it's like, hold on. Who was Bill's lawyers, first of all? And it's, you know, what? How did this even make it to trial? You have a public statement by uh, by the person that made the deal with him saying, oh, we can't use that testimony. Public. It wasn't like in hidden uh, uh, well, secret okay, so, uh, so, closed indictments. What's the seal, what's so this, sealed yeah, indictment? Well, so there's something else. So on a bigger scale, in my mind, yes, America has a two-tier justice system, and we've seen it a lot. Uh, you see it with um, people like Roger Stone. You see it mm-hmm. with, uh, I've had my own version of it with uh, with taxation issues, you know, where um, if you have enough juice with the justice system, you know, you can, you can take the IRS to court and you can win certain things. Um, General Michael Flynn, I mean, this is well documented how he got railroaded by the justice system. So this does happen uh, to, to people who the powerful want to have taken care of. Now, mm-hmm. does this mean that there's, it's the Illuminati and the Boulay doing this black and white? Possibly. I, it may be a little more across the board. I understand where you're coming from, um, but there's, you know, there's also a, um, currently, and you know, this follows along of you saying, hey, we're first, yeah, well, we're following close behind, because there, are cer- there is a certain type of, exactly a certain type of white man uh, notice, by the way, toxic masculinity only really uh, is for white men mm-hmm. whenever it's used. Um, and there's and there's you know different different types of justice. Of course, we haven't seen someone on the level of Cosby, but you know, definitely it's a it's an anti man thing for sure. I mm-hmm. hear you. I hear you on the on the black thing, but it's, because it's it's. You've seen Godfather, I, right? I just think it's bigger than that. I think it's... I, you, you have me with the America's dad. Right. It's No, no, no. What I'm saying is they were, they were, the Boulay was complicit. No, the Boulay doesn't have the kind of power to take down a Cosby. Let's just be clear on that as well. They don't have... They were complicit, and I was going to make an analogy to the Godfather, right? Mm-hmm. When uh, when uh, uh, Michael's older brother got whacked, mm-hmm. right? He got hit at the, the toll booth. Right. The toll... The toll guy had to be in on it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying he's the one to pull the trigger, but he had to know to get down. They're mm-hmm. about to start shooting. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So he had some knowledge of the takedown was going to happen. That's what I'm saying. That's the Boulay's role in it. That they they turned their back on Bill and clo- crossed their arms and said, "We're not touching this." Right. You're on your own, and that's that's what the point I'm making. No, okay. the Boulay doesn't have the kind of power to take down a Bill Cosby, and it's not even a call. This, what I'm saying is, if you're a willing participant in this narrative of like getting emotionally invested in it, this is how when you walk away from it, like, see, this is what I'm talking about. You know, black man can't get a fair trial in America. This is what firm uh, ferments uh, and excuse me, foments this kind of uh, behavior. Got this it. kind of because uh, uh, it's like, bro, what, what you got to do? I mean, the Fifth Amendment. Everybody know Fifth. 
mm-hmm. you watch David Chappelle, I'm pleading the fifth. You know what I'm saying? Tron, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Everybody knows that, but yeah, so I'll just say that all that to say. Now we need to get into the timeline of the Bill Cosby allegation. For Bill Cosby, it has been a week of allegations from women who say they were sexually assaulted in the past by the comedian. Many claim they were drugged. I never saw any drugs, but I would wake up um, completely confused, half-dressed, and knowing that my body had been touched without my permission. Bowman says she went to Cosby's New York apartment alone and that Cosby flew her all around the country as he performed at various venues. But she says the advances were unwelcome. Also speaking out, Joan Tarshish. We went up to his uh, bungalow afterwards. He made me a drink and very shortly after that I just, I passed out. Um, I woke up or came to very groggily with him removing my underwear. Tarshish says that in 1969 she voluntarily saw Cosby again when he invited her to a performance. After accepting drinks at his hotel and in a limo, she says she woke up the next morning with him in his bed. Ironically, Cosby released a comedy album that same year titled It's True, It's True, joking about that very issue. You know what? You know anything about Spanish fly? No, tell me about it. Well, there's this girl, Crazy Mary. You put some in her drink, man. She... It's <laughs> <laughs> like Louis C.K. Wow. Yeah. The, what, and the thing about this clip was the show that these women saw him again and again afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Which which is another thing. Like I said, I'm not making the case for Bill Cosby. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm illustrating is how you had such a divide on this case. And when we have these divides, it's by design, I believe. That's my personal opinion that let's take a case that can shatter society. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. have them on uh, looking at the same thing, but looking at it from two different angles. Well, like OJ, like, etc. Same thing. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. OJ set back racial relations. And Michael you know Jackson. Same thing. And then you got Bill Cosby here, America's dad, clean cut, never, I mean, waves his finger, everybody, oh, you you need to do this, pull up your pants, like I said, that kind of thing. And it's like, hold on, in the 1970s, he just out here randomly, you know what I'm saying, assaulting women, a black man in the 1970s, (laughs) and you can't get him, no, I mean, that, that, that just doesn't register, like, as being, huh, like 1970s. I mean, men were still getting lynched in the 1980s. Let's just keep it funky with you. Right. And in 1970s, you have a man running around Hollywood. Did you just say, let's keep it funky with you? Is that what you just yeah. said to me, Mo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. I just want to make sure I'm funky. Sorry. Um, but, uh, no, but I'm just saying, it's just that these things, when you, they hit your brain in, yeah. in little morsels, the fact that we're deep diving, and now I'm going through this timeline and you know the the narrative it's one way but when these little morsels hit your brain like it's like hold on what the women saw him again yeah. Hollywood yeah. drugging people mm-hmm. it's like ain't that how Hollywood get down I mean like that kind of thing so um just but I'll say Bill did himself no favors once again by making the Spanish fly now this is a little long <laughs> yes but it's, it's important we listen to it when I was 13 man Start talking about weird things. 
No, really. Stand on a corner. You know anything about Spanish fly? <laughs> what? Spanish fly. It always happens when you're 13. Only when you're 13 on up to, like, when you get married. Guys stand around and talk about Spanish fly, and it never starts with one of the guys on the corner. It's always some strange 13-year-old who says, You know what? You know anything about Spanish fly? No, tell me about it. Well, there's this girl, Crazy Mary. You put some in her drink, man. She... Yeah, Spanish fly. Oh, yeah, that's really groovy, man. Spanish fly is groovy. Yeah, boy. From then on, man, anytime you see a girl, Well, yeah, no Spanish fly. Go to a party, see five girls standing alone. Boy, I've had a whole jug of Spanish flies. I like that. <laughs> so I thought it only existed in Philadelphia, you know, and I'm working on I Spy, and Bob and I are working together. Sheldon Leonard comes up, says, Boys, I Spy is going to Spain. <laughs> a childhood dream come true. Chip, just I'm sorry to interrupt this, but he almost has the cadence of George Carlin in this clip. Yeah. It's so but different <laughs> from, from his... Uh, I'm not that hard to hear It's very different. I like it. I said to Bob, you know, because he don't know nothing about it. I said, hey, Bob, you know what I'm going to pick up when I'm in Spain? He said, Spanish frog. <laughs> Wait a minute, man. How'd you know about it? He said, are you kidding? There's a girl in my neighborhood in Berkeley named Crazy Mary. We gave her some stuff. <laughs> and every time he told me a story, I had heard it. Every time I told him a story, he had heard it. We all knew the same story. So I figured there's got to be a guy about 2,000 years old that looks 13 going around the world. You guys know anything about Spanish? <laughs> So Bob and I, man, we're just singing. Going to get some Spanish fly, Spanish fly, love it, love it. And we're riding on the plane, Spanish fly, Spanish fly. And we're getting to go through custom. This is the land of Spanish fly. Spanish fly. We get in the cab, Ryan, driver. Bob says, ask this guy if he knows where we can get some Spanish fly. I said, you know, ask the cab driver. No, ask the cab driver. He may know, man. Driver, stays in the arm. Listen, uh, you Spanish? <laughs> Say, senor, you American? Yes. You come from America? Yes. You could tell me maybe you brought with you some American flags? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, and, and he also, you can hear Eddie Murphy took, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy was influenced by that. It's very interesting to hear this. Good good clip and a and very different kind of joke, of course, than the way it was worked into that clip before. But, and then the, make the jump from Spanish fly to Quaaludes. That's the right. other thing. It's like, yeah, oh yeah. They oh, took yeah. these little morsels. Yeah. Oh, you know how he made that, uh, that, uh, that comedy show about drugging women, right? Uh, clearly... Yeah, uh, let's, we have his let's cut confession. that up a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we yeah, have his right. confession. We mm-hmm. have his tape about Spanish fly. Clearly, this is open shut, open and shut case. Uh, so this is how Bill Cosby was railroaded. Great, so, great media deconstruction bro- in in general, Mo. Great media deconstruction. I appreciate that. Now we got to get to the Quaaludes and how popular they was in the nineteen seventies. 
Who could forget this scene from The Wolf of Wall Street? Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill high on quaaludes, unable to walk or speak. It's pretty funny, but quaaludes are no joke. The drug is now getting lots of attention after Bill Cosby admitted giving them to women. Nicknamed Disco Biscuits, Quaaludes were hugely popular in the 70s, widely consumed in nightclubs like the legendary Studio 54. Originally developed as a sleeping pill, Quaaludes had a deeply relaxing effect, much like strong alcohol. It's not the typical high you'd get if you were taking like ecstasy where you're partying or you're doing coke and you're really up. It's more of a relaxed kind of high. But Quaaludes were often abused. In 1977, Director Roman Polanski gave then 13-year-old Samantha Geimer a portion of a quaalude before he had sex with her. He fled the country to avoid prison, never to return. It's not uncommon to see things like seizures, coma, and death, and that absolutely happened, which is why the drug, although it wasn't on the market for very long, became a huge problem, and it became very quickly taken off the market. You know, by the 80s, it was gone. Bill Cosby was prescribed quaaludes for a bad back. He says he never took took them but kept them on hand to offer dates. <laughs> this is great. I, I never heard of all the I was so busy looking at 45 Savage and all the stuff at the time. It's, I'm sorry that I didn't really follow this. That's why it's a great topic to cover because we we all were just sucked into the media narrative. No, you nobody know, really you know, took time. No, Mo, you know, I was like, oh, just a black guy who gives a shit. Typical. That's all I thought. <laughs> no, what, what it is is that we, we saw that like, okay, who's going to be the next one? And that right. was kind of the narrative, true. like, true, yeah. Bill, okay, who's next? Who's next? Okay, right. Weinstein, who's up next? Yeah. Uh, Moon, whatever his name Les is, Les Moonvest. Yeah, Les Moonvest. Who's next? You know that kind of thing. But yet and still, when they talk about Roman Polanski, he gives one to a 13-year-old girl before they have sex, not the rape word. Right. And yeah. And that was actually very, very, uh, very soft on Polanski, the way the media usually is about him. Well, is, is it? I mean, that's another thing. Like, uh, well, let's get well, let's have a small discussion about Roman Polanski. Who did he piss off? I mean, because it seems like now Hollywood loves him. Because he actually won a what an Oscar or something they gave uh Mel Street was gave him a standing ovation and we'll hear you know saying stuff about that but to be on the run that long as a white guy I mean like I mean this totally this totally breaks the narrative because we have this white guy on the run for his life over giving you know a thirteen year old Quaaludes and we have Bill Cosby a black guy just dropping Quaaludes like dimes you know what I'm saying like it's like well hold on what. How does that happen in the racial America? I mean, this is why it's like such a mind screw. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Um. Uh. But like I said, disco biscuits. That's a. That's a. I, crazy I, I, name. I hadn't heard of disco biscuits, but I like it. <laughs> Neither, I like so. it a lot. That's good. Uh, it's, not like butter biscuits, was, folks. No, not no, like no. butter biscuits. No, no. It's a whole different kind of biscuit. It's a whole, whole different kind of biscuit. So, uh, let's see. Now we have Roman Polanski's victim. And uh, she wants the case dropped. She was sexually assaulted by director Roman Polanski as a teenager. Now she wants a Los Angeles judge to drop the case. Danielle Nottingham has the story. I'm just here to try and get things resolved and 
not on Roman's behalf, but on the behalf of a fair justice system. Samantha Geimer delivered a passionate plea to end a case that's kept her in the headlines for the past 40 years. She says the trauma of media scrutiny has been more painful than the crime. I do not want to have to explain to my granddaughter why she can't go outside or answer the phone or why there are crammer crews outside my home and eventually what happened to her nana in 1977. Geimer was 13 when director Roman Polanski, then 43 years old, gave her champagne and a pill during a photo shoot in the Hollywood Hills and sexually assaulted her. The Oscar winner pleaded guilty to unlawful intercourse with a minor in 1977. He was sent to a state prison for a 90-day evaluation, but was released after 42 days. Polanski fled the country to avoid additional time in 1978. He was notably absent from accepting a Best Director Academy Award for The Pianist in 2003. Friday's hearing was part of an effort by Polanski's lawyer, Harland Braun, to dismiss the case and get an international warrant lifted that would allow Polanski to travel more freely outside of the U.S. Outside of the courtroom, Geimer said she never felt the case was about her. I'm standing here saying I'm fine and nothing you can do to him will help me or anybody else. Suddenly it's the states, not me, that count. It's a really hypocritical view. Either victims count or they don't. Yeah, well, you know, I've always thought that the Roman Polanski issue was not about this so-called rape or underage rape at all, but mm-hmm. about his investigation of the uh, of the Tate murder. Are you talking about the uh, Manson? The Mansons, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes, because he was he was all over that, and it was all you know, it's all kinds of weird stuff. You know, he was training with bruce lee and then you know i guess he thought yeah man bruce lee might have killed him and it's just all kinds of weird i don't know i always thought that he had uncovered something there that might and have that was compromised. my question like who did he piss off yeah well when you I said mean, that that's that's what triggered it with me i kind of remember looking into that in the time where it was just like oh i mean 13 year old quaaludes i mean that's like you know a saturday night you're know saying hollywood um i say that flippantly but that's kind of like the how Me Too paints the narrative. Like, that was the good old boys club, uh, just how they roll. But all of a sudden, now, Polanski's on the run for his life, yet and still. Um, so I just found that weird. I mean, just as a juxtaposition well, with well, Bill Cosby, well, I don't want to go. There's one go There's one other part to it. Um, mm-hmm. This is the way it's been told to me. No judgment. I'm just saying, here's what the story is. If we presume that a lot of powerful Jews um have control over things in hollywood roman polanski being polish uh and he may have actually made some comments about this or may have been some screenplay um the hollywood jews have a big problem with poland because they feel it was it was poland that really that really uh built the concentration camps for the nazis they even made a netflix Yes. Uh, documentary yes. kind of rewriting history or whatever how you want to say it, uh, reshaping the narrative around Poland. So that makes plenty of sense now. I didn't know that. That's why I love talking to you. Because <laughs> I didn't know that part of Poland. Yeah, he may have yeah. said something. Actually, his po- I'm reading from Wikipedia now. His Polish mm-hmm. Jewish parents moved the family back from Paris to Krakow in 37. Uh, then Poland was invaded. Let me see. After his mother and father were taken in raids, Polanski spent his formative years in foster homes under an adopted identity, surviving the Holocaust. Oh, so that's also probably might be some something contentious. Like, 
you know, you, you, you hid your true identity. So you didn't have to go to the, to the work oh, camp. He was passing. It, yes. <laughs> Stuff see, like see. that. <laughs> Stuff like that. So I, that I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly, but I think it all, all of this comes into play somehow. Okay. So I just, I brought up Roman Polanski to show you an example of how you thought or would think Bill would have been protected. Mm-hmm. And this is Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, explaining the Roman Polanski uh, case on The View. Was not charged. I know it wasn't rape, rape. Yeah, rape, rape. Child molest, maybe? I'm not sure it was something something else, but I don't believe it was rape, rape. And when we get all the information, somebody will tell me in my ear. All I'm trying to get you to understand Mm -hmm. is when we're talking about what someone did and what they were charged with, we have to say what it actually was, not what we think it was. What he said he did. He gave her quaaludes. He gave Mm -hmm. her champagne. Mm -hmm. She was drugged. She was 13 years old. He answered his. Transcript. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You're 13 years she old. She was still a child. He actually, excuse me. Initially, he was charged with rape. Go ahead. And then he he pled guilty to having sex with a minor. Okay. And he went to jail. And when they let him out, 45 days. And when they let him out, he said, "You know what? This guy's going to give me 100 years in jail. I'm not staying." And that's why he left. So that's why I wanted to be really clear because I okay. wanted to know exactly what we were talking and about. I, and I'm going. Does that make it okay to, to, you know, instead of staying and fighting, to say, you know, he's going to give me 100 years. I'm out of here. I don't know when it's okay. okay. But what we were talking about was what he did. And that's what I wanted to clear up. That's all I wanted to clear up. Because I don't like it when we, when we're passionate about something and we don't have all the facts. Okay, so he was charged with (laughs) statutory rape. So should he be prosecuted now? I believe yes, because the crime has not changed. I know she wants to move on, but there's, so what does it say about uh, crimes that are still being committed against children? Well, I love how she's, uh, how she's uh, sticking up for the, for the Polish guy. Rape, 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 rape. Yeah, yeah. What the hell is rape, rape? Is that something that rape, rape? You know, it's not. No, it's, it's not I, the cap of your face clown through the window kind of rape. You know, it's just it's that acceptable kind. Like that's totally disgusting. Like, why don't people like that get canceled? Could you imagine getting on TV and defending R. Kelly man. by saying, "Oh, what R. Kelly did was really rape, rape." Imagine if a black man would have got on television and said that. They would have been out the boule phone with a ring mid episode. I like, hey, get him out of here. ASAP. Right, right? I'm glad you caught on to that. Like, she said it twice. Oh, of like, course. Of course. Huh? Of course. You think, that, you think that's crazy? Wait till you get to the second clip. <laughs> Well, she forgives him, but forgiveness is not permission. And forgiveness doesn't mean he didn't break the law. So I agree with you, Sherry. And, and if, this is a point somebody brought up backstage, if he was not famous, would we be, would, no. would we be protecting him as much as we are? Because his friend, um, his friend uh, Otto, Otto Weisinger said, you know, millions and millions of people love his work. He's a brilliant guy and he made a little mistake 32 years oh, ago. No, what a shame for Switzerland, said Otto Weiser, Polanski's friend. Well, you know, I have to tell you, again, you know, we're we're a different kind of society. We see things differently. The world sees 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds and the rest of Europe. They're seen oftentimes. Well, I wonder what, I, well, what I just, would I, say if that was I his 13-year-old daughter. I, well, Sherry, I don't know, but I do know that not everybody agrees with the way that we see things. Now, would I want my 14-year-old having sex with somebody? Not necessarily, no. 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 You know, but I will tell you. 
that I'm not surprised that they ha that he hasn't come back. I'm not surprised that he didn't come back uh, under the guise that he would have 31 years ago. Will he get a different kind of feel now? Maybe. Well, that's pretty incredible. How old is that? That's, so that can only be like... I guess uh, is that this back is, from that time from the Cosby. Yeah, this this was this was right wow. around. Uh, let's see, I, uh, maybe 2014, 2015, because mm. I think that's when the clip that she wanted the case drop. I think that's when. Um, yeah, this you know, is right after after that uh, that happening, but a different kind of society. I'm like, what? I don't know what kind of society she lives in. Well, but, seeing as her real name is Karen Johnson. <laughs> oh, okay, explains it all. <laughs> she lives in a fantasy world regardless she's no, but she's still, still, hmm? who 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 has her, i want to know who's pulling whoopie strings for her to go out on a limb like that in the in the climate abc of, it's it's it, it, whoopie is a company woman so she, yeah, she's saying, disney like, yeah. she's whatever disney wants her to say she says that oh, that's the way i've always sense sleeping with 13 year olds now that's all you had to say thank you okay uh, it may, just trying <laughs> to clear it up for you yeah, it's, disney. Yeah. It's, a, it's a disney outfit yeah yeah but and this is why this show is important because you would not have this conversation anywhere else because as you say she's a company woman yeah and most people are that are company people can't have uh, discussions like this, but we can on the Mo Facts with Adam Curry show. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. And that's exactly what we're doing here. And uh, we've been doing it. To, well, this is our 65th episode and many, many more to come. Value for value. Uh, there's a couple of ways you can support the show. And what it means is is literally that you're getting value by listening to the show. If not, you should stop listening. If you do, what is that value? Turn it into a number, something meaningful to you, and send it to us. You can go to mofax.com uh, and um, uh, and make a donation through our PayPal you could, should be able to get there directly through MoFundMe.com. Uh, and also, you can use any Podcasting 2.0 app that uh, lets you stream value-for-value value payments. Uh, a lot of people are already doing this, and uh, pretty soon we'll be integrating some of the Boostergrams. Uh, <laughs> as we get every... It's, it's, uh, it's cutting-edge stuff, of course. Um, uh, but we do love it when uh, when people send some boosts, and we'll be getting those Boostergrams into these donations pretty soon as well. Uh, for one of the new podcast apps, go to newpodcastapps.com. Now, let's take a look at our producers, our executive producers for episode number 65. Now, this is a couple of, uh, well, more than a couple of weeks uh, that's stacked up. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, some of it may be a little bit on the on the crusty side when it comes to the, the content of the notes, but we really appreciate the support, and we kick it right off with Philip Brown, $165. Baller, shot collar, 20-inch blades on the Impala. Big baller, there you go. $100 value for value, he says, and 65 for 65 uh, And then he adds a 73 of course, ham radio operator, Kilo 1-5, November Tango Yankee. Thank you so much, Philip. We really, really appreciate the support. And then Chris Bailey... Uh, and again, these are show donations. Uh, it comes in with the same basic concept. Baller, shot collar, 20-inch blades on the Impala. 
So Chris uh, hits us up with two separate donations. The first one, 100. And he says, with that so much value from the last show, I decided I needed to make this donation my first executive producer credit. But I can't let the show number Club Streak die. Be on the lookout for that in the second donation. And he also wants a goat woosah and indeed um, his second donation, $65. And he made good on it for the big baller for this episode. And let me see, he's got a goat woosa. 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 Then we got Brian Lewis. Now, this is make good. When is, this is make good from, from what, uh, Mo? This was, uh, we missed him from the last show. Oh, okay. Uh, we missed his note. Uh, he was uh, at the bottom, so we missed him. But on make goods. Uh, we move you right to the top, right That's behind right. the uh, big ballers. And you got $2.12, and you're right under the big ballers with the make good. This doesn't mean that, you know, we're always going to be forgetting people for this to happen. Here's this note. Can't wait to donate some more, Mo and Adam. All I can say is, wow. I donated last episode, saw my name in the show notes, but was not mentioned. Yep, we screwed it up. All that matters is that you got the money. No, it matters. It's It, it works both ways. Keep it up, fellas. Can't wait to hear Mo and Adam crush the 100th episode. Bring us all together. United we stand. And thank you very much, Brian. Sorry we missed that note, man. Glad we got it now. $150 from David Boswell. Big Fezzik here. Uh, what you two are doing is meaningful. It's changing me deeply with every episode. I'm so thankful that you are both are sharing this work. Oh, it changes my life, too. I think Mo would probably say the same. Yep. $100 from William Bullock, another executive producer of episode 65. Value for value in his notes. Brock Reinhold says, thanks for the show. Woohoo with a hundy for us. Appreciate that, Brock. Uh, Kyle Mann. Is it Kyle or Kylie? I think it's probably Kyle. Kyle. $88. Great show, Kyle says. Caught one of the early episodes, forgot about the show, then heard a recent episode while listening to the No Agenda stream on a late night in the office. The episode was fascinating, and I've listened through the eight, about eight of the archived episodes so far. Can see things have really been coming together. Mo, the preparation you put into the shows comes through and there's good chemistry between the two of you. I feel that your analysis has given me a better understanding for parts of America that I've never had a deep understanding of, though being adjacent to much of my life living in cities in Ohio and also for a while near your old home of Durham. Many mainstream narratives are either from a left-wing perspective that berates the common man or from a colorblind right-wing perspective that's lacking in depth. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, your perspective is rich in nuance and humanization, and I have found the show novel and informative. Yes, it's a novel show. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate that. That's a blurb for the show. That is, that is a good blurb right there. <laughs> yeah, we're in associate executive producer territory here, by the way, with uh, August Alexander Van Poppel. Uh, hi, Adam and Mo. Here's a little token of appreciation for your wonderful podcast. It's always worth the wait, so please keep up the good work. We do appreciate everybody for hanging in there for sure. Mike McCoy with a show number donation, $65. I consider this podcast one of the most important classes I've ever taken. He writes, the depth of knowledge you brought to my worldview is something I can never truly thank you both enough for. To all the producers out there, it is really worth the listen from the beginning. Yeah, from episode one. A lot of people doing that. Hoping for a Mo Karma for all. Love isn't lit. P.S. There was a producer from last show looking for someone to do a podcast with. Uh, I would be interested if you could hook us up at his discretion, of course. Contact to follow Torpex11 at gmail.com. T-O-R-P-E-X-11. Uh, that's 1-1 one, one at gmail.com. And, of course, we, we got to... Sorry? We, we need to create a site like Podcast Mingle. 
uh, so podcasters partners can find each other. <laughs> you know, another business idea is born, Mo. You got to stop doing this to me. <laughs> More business. Mo Comer. We're looking at Sir D.H. Slammer, who uh, came in with the show donation, I'm sure, for the last show. We'll uh, pop him in for today. He had 64. And he mm-hmm. writes, rich in knowledge, but currently cash poor. Still funding the important things in life with a show club donation. Thank you for your courage. Can I get a belated biscuit for my birthday? Thank you very much, Sir D.H. Slammer. They of always course. give me a biscuit on my birthday. That's right. No disco biscuits for yeah, you. Yeah, keep just... that. Yeah, move it. Get, <laughs> move that bag over to the other side of the, uh, of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a couple more uh, associate executive producers. $50 from Harold Kammermeyer, who says, I like the discussion. Keep up the good work. Cohen Prowl, don't need to keep it on a schedule, but keep bringing those Mo facts. And actually, we, Mo and I, have had some chats, and we really do want to get this on a schedule. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think we're on a schedule now every other Wednesday. Uh, then he says, love you. Uh, love y'all. Yeah, that includes uh, you, Curry, even though we all know Mo is the star of the show. LOL. Hello. I'm just I'm just riding the coattails. The clips of the star. <laughs> no, the clips are not the star. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Um, but no, I'll, I'll say this about the schedule and everything else. The value is even more important now with getting mandate proof. If people were wondering where we're at, like sometimes... Real life kind of gets in the way because we see what climate we're in. So this value really is really maybe dependent upon at some point if uh, things go left. Yes. Well, yes. I just want to put that out here. You know what I'm saying? Because like, we, we're, all, we're all. Let's put it this way. We've been saving our money for a rainy day that could be coming. And, and, yeah. and the support, <laughs> it will be needed more than ever. Uh, okay, where are we now? We're at, uh, oh yeah, uh, Cohen you Prowl. Don't miss anybody. I'm sorry? Oh, no, no, we I said, make sure we don't miss anybody. We yeah, yeah. no, don't, don't want to do that. Uh, we got Cohen. Now we got William Taylor, $50. Thank you for the meat. Each episode, an extraordinary podcast. Can I get a mode karma, please? And that's from Hig Hawker. <laughs> You've got... And we'll be thanking more people in a minute after our final associate executive producer. I think you producer. got one more. Yeah, our final ex- executive producer is... Uh, oh, sorry about that. I didn't know if you had missed him or not. No, okay. no, no. I got it. I was I was trying to do something different, Mo. Uh, I'm just, to... Hey, man. Hey, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little gunshot, man. We missed somebody. That I, I take that. And I, take that I hear you, brother. I hear you. <laughs> that people's value, man. It's their value. But now I got to pronounce this name. Uh, I'm sorry. Oluyemi. <laughs> Oluyemi Fawahinmi. That was worth it. That was worth it. <laughs> you know, this is probably one of those Bendover names that I'm not catching yet. Oluyemi Fawahinmi. Wow. I think you got it. I think yeah, Oluyemi. I want to know. I don't want to know about your name. I'm very curious about that. $50 and associate executive producer for you and says, uh, thanks for the podcast with Adam Curry. Learning a lot. And you bet. So we're going to leave it at that for now. We'll come back in a little bit to do the rest of our uh, of our list uh, all the way down to the bottom. Hopefully don't miss anybody. But for this list of our executive producers and associate executive producers, our show donation producers, our big ballers, thank you for supporting MoFax with Adam Curry, uh, episode number 65. Your value is appreciated. We continue to bring it for you, and we love hearing what you have to say about it. Uh, support us. 
with a new podcast app, newpodcastapps.com. Boost whenever you feel like it. Send us a boostagram. And of course, go to mofax.com or directly to the donation page, mofundme.com. Thanks again for supporting the show. All right, so one more thing I would like to add when you go to mofundme.com, you will find now that there is a P.O. box there ah. uh, for the people that want to send in uh, uh, checks, uh, checks, gold doubloons, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, money orders. Right, so um, just to let people know that. So speaking of, speaking of checks, um, we have to go and see who uh, pulled the trigger on Bill to get this whole thing rolling and what was their conversation? So now we have to get into uh, Hannibal Burris and his stand-up joke. Back in 2006, actor Bill Cosby dealt with a civil lawsuit alleging that he sexually assaulted a woman. Now, there were 13 other women that came forward as part of that case. And before any of them could testify, Cosby decided to actually settle the suit with the woman uh, who filed the suit against him. Her name is Andrea Constant. Now, originally, she wanted to file a criminal lawsuit. However, prosecutors said that there wasn't enough evidence to do so. So now, as a result, fast forward to today. Today, a comedian decided to make some interesting commentary on this entire sexual assault case. And, of course, it's making headlines. I want you guys to take a look at the video and then we'll discuss. Bill Cosby has the fucking smuggest old black man public persona that I hate. Let's get some TV. Pull your pants up, black people. I was on TV in the 80s. I can talk down to you because I had a successful sitcom. Forgot about that. He it was Hannibal Burt. It, it was his joke. Yeah, he lit the fuse. Yeah, <clears throat> or did he? Was he just doing a stand up act, and people took this and say, you know what, we could take this and run with it, uh, and we can say, you know what, it was a black man that you're saying that, that initiate this whole uh, circus into a- uh, action uh, to take down another black man. Oh, because I'm not. Ne- I'm gonna be honest with you. Before this, I had never, never heard, heard of Hannibal. Hannibal. Bur- no, of course, never heard of Hannibal Burris. So, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I never seen him on Comedy Central or uh, or Def Jam. Yeah, I'd never heard uh, of him since. To be honest, well, we're gonna get to that. Of- and why? Uh-huh. <laughs> we're gonna get to why you haven't heard of him since. Uh-huh. Um, but another thing is, um, we talked about the American that America's dad and the um, uh, take down the patriarchy. But also now our understanding of respectability politics and how that's like the third rail mm-hmm. Bill had to go. Because we, we talked about respect respectability politics on the last one. That's to pull up your pants, cut your hair. Right, uh, right. Use correct English. All the things Bill was saying, he was a... Uh, respectability he was trying to shape up uh, the black man. That We can't have that. We got we to gotta use those to, for our own agenda. That is correct. So now we have, uh, you don't know if you heard this guy named Joe Rogan, but um, Hannibal Burst 
<laughs> I've heard of his show. Okay. Hannibal Burr sat down with him and talked about uh, the aftermath of Bill Cosby. Have you like completely moved past all the Cosby shit, or do you t- still take grief for that? Not grief. No, I've uh. Well, now you're vindicated. I was. I have a grief. It was just where I would uh be forced to talk about it in situations I didn't want to, and also right. it came out the the joke. Uh, and that video came out right before we were starting the rollout for my Comedy Central TV show. Uh, and we actually, people don't know, we pushed back my announcement because that, it news, opportunistic, that right? news was that crazy that we pushed it back by maybe, we pushed it back, the premiere announced by a month or two wow because it was that and so so even though I had my Comedy Central deal in place this in since like 2012 I had an all around Comedy Central deal and so then when that came out and then I got my show with it, well then my show was scheduled to go on the air it looked like oh he did a Cosby joke and then he got the TV show it's like no man this is like my fourth development deal and this is finally the show that I got on <laughs> Isn't it funny how things yeah. like that work? <laughs> Isn't it funny how that works? Like you do you do the Cosby joke and then you get the show. Well, who wrote, who he, wrote said the he, joke? In, he said he was in the fourth development deal. So I mm-hmm. got, this is what the uh, the um, person that wrote in talk about nuance and humanizing. Mm-hmm. We're not going to jump on Hannibal Burris and say that he was sat down in a smoky room like, "Hey, Hannibal, you're going to write this joke." You know what I'm saying? You're going to say Bill Cosby the racist. You know, and, and it's, it's going to be a great. It's going to be great. And your show is going to be catapulted off of it. No, that's not how it works. They knew of this joke, I think. They gave it gas. Uh, the Young Turks. I saw it in the Fox News. No, no hold, not Fox hold, News. Hold, that Fox hold, hold on a second. Let me just let me correct you the way I believe it to work. Okay, please. He did the joke. The joke made the special work for them. For whatever reason, they didn't tell yeah, him to this, write the joke, but but it was the the fourth the fourth development deal. Finally, they said, "Oh, now you got something we can use, son." Yeah, yeah and not, and like I said, I, I'm thinking that it happened. He told the joke under the development deal. He picked up press. You know, whoever me too, whoever wants to give it gas, Young Turks, Fox Five. I heard. I mean, I heard. Mm-hmm. On Fox, I'm like, who is Hannibal? Who the hell is Hannibal Burris? That was my question. Like, who is this guy? And then they call him in, like, hey, we got, the, you know, you know that show you wanted? I think it'd be a great time for it. Uh, uh, but, but, but when you go out, you know, you're going to be asked about it. And then it's like, you know how the press does. It's like, oh, we hate to ask you this, but why we have you here? Bill Cosby, is he a rapist? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? It's like, I came here to talk about my show that's about to go off. So like I can say, I don't want to. Shoot, man. Do you know that this guy, he is the voice of Flylo FM on Grand Theft Auto? I never played that game, so I mean, oh. I, mean I, I never. Yeah, what's wrong with you, but man? What, 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 you don't huh? like killing hookers? Come on, I'm a sports guy. <laughs> I play basketball, <laughs> football, and then, and then Mario. I play anything with Mario in it. Um, <laughs> just a okay. little insight, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got you. But yeah, I, I think that's how it goes. Is that while you're on your press run, you're going to be asked about Bill? Yeah, and he even said it. He said, "I felt forced to talk about it." Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and and then, then it makes him look bad, like oh you're the guy that took down Bill Cosby, that kind of thing. Um, 
And he even alluded to in the stand-up that Bill Cosby was Teflon. Mm-hmm. So it even speaks more to my, like, why did, why was he allowed to be taken down like this? Um, not saying he shouldn't, but I'm just, just curious how that happens. So um, we have a part two to the uh, Rogan and Hannibal clip. But so that was that was the thing where instead of uh, instead of just having this show that I was able to it was this energy around it, you know, in 2005, July, like, yeah, all early 2005. It was this energy around it where if I was going to do press around that time, they were definitely going to. What year was it? This was 2015, two years ago. Two thousand. You said, I said 2005. Sorry. Yeah. yeah 2015. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that show in Philly was October 2014. So, yeah, it just kind of really affected the, the energy around it as far and and my um want and, and and eagerness to do a lot of press just because i knew it was, you gonna, knew it was gonna come up yeah. yeah and i was just like i was so uh that was that I, i'm not saying that that's the reason my show's not on anymore at all <laughs> just before people were like your show sucked that's why i said and <laughs> he had the awareness self-awareness to say if i go out here you know, I'm doing all the Letterman's and all, you know, all these shows. And then I get keep getting asked, so about Bill Cosby, so about Bill Cosby, so about Bill Cosby. That's how you get your coon card real quick. Um, So mm. he, he, he he's making that calculation. You can hear it in his voice that he didn't really say that, but he understands that this could clearly be perceived as a butter biscuit of right. here he, your show for taking bill down mm-hmm. when i which i'm saying that i don't think that's for, the one, case. for one uh, for one season and then it was gone and then and for him to be on it and take a man's word for him to be on his fourth uh production deal mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying obviously he was maybe he did a lot of writing for people and you know he was funny like that but like and on the other hand though is i've never heard of this guy before and now you're taking down well he does have a resume he does i mean i yeah, I'm just saying, you know, looking at like, like, oh, okay. I'm, what I mean is, on my consciousness, you know, my entertainment uh, radar, mm-hmm. I'm like, who is Hannibal Bird? So it seemed very opportunistic. Is what that's what the point I'm trying to highlight is this person I never heard of, and it's a lot of comedians that does a do a lot of work and a lot of writing behind the scenes that you never actually hear of. So I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's not talented. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you put two and two together it could look to be four right like okay you did the cosby joke you get a show uh wow like that looks fishy which i'm not saying that's happened but i'm just saying this is how the ball got rolling but now we get to why it actually could take hold bill did himself no favors after the cosby show in the old days you couldn't hook his school because behind every drawn shade was an eye. And before your mother got off the bus into the house, she knew exactly where you had gone, who had gone into the house. Parents don't know that today. I'm talking about these people who cry when their son is standing there in an orange suit. Where were you when he was two? Where were you when he was 12? Where were you when he was 18, 
And how come you don't know he had a pistol? These are not these these are not political criminals. These are people going around stealing Coca-Cola. People getting shot in the back of the head over a piece of pound cake. And then we all run out and we're outraged. Oh, the cops shouldn't have shot him. What the hell was he doing with the pound cake in his hand? All right, so I don't know the pound cake reference. That's, I don't know it either. Oh, really? Obviously, yeah, no, I don't know where he, I don't. This is the famous pound cake speech. This was the beginning of the end of Bill Cosby. Mm. When you start talking in terms of these people. Right. Uh, right, right, right we got to right. look at the timing. Of this was May 2004 when he gave the speech. And then all of a sudden, this case comes back up with the woman and his civil case. You know what I'm saying? That's when the civil case first started. So it's like, I don't, I don't know what was going on with Bill, but when you start using, like I said, words of uh, these people and making the appearance that people are robbing each other for Coca-Cola and shooting each other back in the head for a piece of cake. Um, we've talked about, we talked about this numerous of times on, on the show about the, drug epidemic and the you know the uh crime bill and all these things that played into yeah it's like had bill never seen the wire or something that he just felt this was what it was well this bill is true blue boule it's like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps i didn't ask anybody for any favors uh did it on my own that kind of attitude Mm -hmm. and what happens is he lost timing with the quote-unquote community which is a real thing um, because once you lose that connectivity, that tether, and I'll give you an example, Oprah, she was very anti-hip-hop, but Oprah was wise enough to read the tea leaves and say, you know what? I need to make good with hip-hop. Mm. I need to go sit down with Jay-Z in Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying, and make good with hip-hop because... You need it. She needs If you're it. against hip-hop... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, it's a whole then you ain't climate. black. No, and, then you ain't black. As right. Joe, as Joe and the funny say. thing is, and the funny thing is, Bill Cosby was very accepting of hip hop, especially on his show. Mm. Um, the early iteration of it, like the breakdance and that kind yeah, of yeah, episodes yeah. that kind of played into that. Um he even brought several rappers in on Different World, which was another show of his oh, that yeah. followed up the right, Cosby show. Right, right. So it wasn't like he was anti hip hop. He was pro black excellence, what they as they would say, or um uh respectability. And it's like this guy, we got to get out of here. So that's the that's the pound cake speech. Uh, it's a second part if you want to listen to it. Yeah. Or we can no, I do. I do. I do. Okay. I do. I do. Okay. Brown versus the Board of Education is no longer the white person's problem. We've got to take the neighborhood back. We've got to go in there. Just it's right around the corner. It's standing on the corner. It can't speak English. It doesn't want to speak English. It's st- I can't even talk the way these people talk. Why you ain't where you is, go around there. I don't know who these people are. And, and, and I blamed the kid until I heard the mother talk. And then I heard the father talk. This is all in the house. Everybody knows it's important to speak English, except these knuckleheads. 
You can't land the plane with why you ain't well. You can't be a doctor with that kind of crap coming out of your mouth. Why can't you hit the streets? Why can't you clean it out yourself? It's our time now, ladies and gentlemen. It is our time. And I have good news for you. It's not about money. It's about you doing something that ordinarily we do. Get in somebody else's business. It's time for you to not accept this language that these people are speaking, which will take them nowhere. What the hell good is Brown versus the Board of Education if nobody wants it? Do you know the setting of this speech, What the who the audience was? This was at the uh, 50th anniversary of the Brown versus Board of Education Supreme Court oh, decision. Boulay. Very Boulay. Very, very Boulay. And he even referred to a person as it. He said, he said yeah, it. it. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, okay. This is, wow, that makes, so, not only, it, it, it proves that he was quite removed from life. And for a long time, language didn't just, did he just wake up and, oh, they talk like this? I mean, this is well. Like I said, he he. You gotta look at it from 1986 when Cosby came on until he went off television. That was a total change of black culture, or the perception of black culture. And by the I mean, way, I I, yeah. I also think he he probably really means well. He's like, hey, come on, people, what the hell's going on? This is about money. We need to shape our get our crap together. But that's right. really from a very. Uh, very, oh, I'll just say, privileged standpoint. I mean, have you really looked at what's going on, Bill? That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, he he was very tone deaf, yeah. but some of the things he's saying is true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, are you saying it to help people? Or is you, are you making it a us and them? And if you're making this a us and them, the boule is a very small part of society in general right. you know um the ruling class is always going to be smaller than the uh than the you know the general population <laughs> to use a prison term <laughs> so so by but, the, so by the same token while i hear people laughing um mm-hmm. they probably like yeah bill you know it's like that was really funny bill oh, that was great but let's not do too much of that because we don't want, really want people to actually better themselves of course we don't not. want and them to get a clue 2004 who what happened in 2008 Obama mm-hmm. instantaneously when Bill gets taken away that creates a power vacuum in some kind of way and in, in nothing but narrative Obama became the American dad oh yeah totally with mom jeans right that's what, that's what I'm saying like he became the new American dad right yeah yeah, um, yeah. oh yeah so that power vacuum uh, was real and like I said Bill did himself no favors but how, by how he treated uh, you heard Hannibal Burris about how he spoke about him mm-hmm. and then we have another comedian uh, D.L. Hewley oh, yeah. uh, gives an account of their interaction you had a situation when Bill Cosby called it sure can you talk about that well, I was, but then I got, so then I was, uh, I was doing Kiss FM here. Right after CNN, I was doing Kiss FM. Um, um, I was doing the morning show. 
Bill Cosby had called in to promote a gig. I think he was having in in uh, Connecticut or Pennsylvania. And I was like, Bill don't like me, and I don't particularly care for him, so I'm not going to, you know, I'll let you guys do the interviews for pre-tape. And so a girl named Jackie Reed and a cat named Steve Wilson, who were my co-hosts, started interviewing me, but he was such a dick. I find, like, for five minutes he's being such a dick, I was like, Mr. Cosby, what is it you like for us to know? He said, who is this? He said, I said, this is D.L. Hughley. Hughley. You say nigga, and I don't like your comedy. And then you went in, and I was like, with all due respect, Mr. Cosby, I say nigga, but no co-ed has ever woke up drug with her drawers on backwards. Boys! <laughs> I'm sure he said that. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we'll never know, but no. it seems that there's only... Uh, comedic circuit, especially the black comedic circuit, this was common knowledge. That's why I said we can't absolve Bill of, <laughs> of, hmm. of of anything because Hannibal Burr said it, D. Leo Hughes said it, uh, very flippant, flippantly as well. The way yeah. the way he delivers it, like it's well, it's why I known that you know women, uh, women get sleepier around you. So <laughs> we can't say, we can't. That's why I said I'm not absolving Bill of anything. The first segment of the show was just to show the miscarriage of justice that happened. And it can if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. The second part I'm gonna show is that you you don't piss on people on the way up. No. Because <laughs> you, no. you might need those people, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to stand in your defense. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and I'm gonna say this, DL Hewley, I think him and Bill Cosby are fraternity brothers in Omega Sci Fi. I I I let I think. I'm going off memory I mean, here. D.L. Hughley, Hughley is a show by himself because he was really big. And then all of a sudden he's doing podcasts and he's wearing funky hats. And I'm not quite sure what that guy's deal is. Well, he's a political uh, operative now. Okay. That explains Whenever it. they need him to push at me and, and he's in one of those big markets. And I always reference back to the black radio. And in this clip, he's talking about their interaction on the black radio. Um, I think he's out in LA and one of the big, quote unquote urban stations mm-hmm. <laughs> in LA. So you could tell he's a political operative because when it comes to black and brown relations and the fact that's in a LA, which has a large black and brown listening, he, he very uh tepid how he uh handles that um that topic. Mm. So he he's very D and the D and D Huey stands for Democrat. For sure, for got sure. It, got it, got it, got it. Um so let's just listen to him and his interaction with, um, with Cosby on part two. And we go back and forth and back and forth. I said, I respect you could be my son. I said, but I'm not. And I said, everything you are, you are because of your experiences. And I re- appreciate that. But you're not going to denigrate what I've been through. And I said, no one has ever out of all the words I, people have ever said to me. No one's ever said right. No one's ever said we had this argument. Right. And so I worked at the cage, uh, the uh, hot 107, uh, excuse me, uh, Kiss FM was owned by Emmys. Bill Cos- Bill Cosby, like that tape will never air. This is a true story. He said, "Give me that tape. It's not gonna air." And I said, "The fuck it ain't." <laughs> and ten minutes later, all the people from Ennis came down. Ennis Communications took the tape, asked, made sure nobody had a copy of it. Said, "If it ever airs, if this airs, nobody in here will work in radio again." So I know that that cat had the power to make people do shit like that. This was two thousand nine, right? Two thousand nine. 
So this is way before uh, yeah. Hannibal. Burris, but even before right? that, Talking even if you read it. Time and Newsweek in the very back of the paper, it talked about all these rape allegations. I grew up in in, in L.A. and did warm up for a lot of those shows. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Like Kip, Cliff Huxtable is innocent, but Bill Cosby fucked every one of them girls. But the dude, the character is innocent. The dude ain't. And I don't even think that 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 cats like that thought it was necessarily a wrong thing to do. They just kind of thought it's what you did. You gave some people dope, and they did this. They knew what the deal was. So I I, I wasn't one of those cats who believed he was innocent just because he was funny. Huh, Emmis? Interesting. <laughs> I think he uh, summarized uh, a lot of uh, feelings that Cliff Huxtable, innocent. Bill Cosby, a lot of smoke. When there's a lot of smoke, there got to be some fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you separate the two? How do you how do you remove a large segment of your childhood? And I'm not talking about with the show, but we're talking about before with television and how it played into the family. 8 o'clock Thursday, you knew where you were going to be at. <laughs> You're going to be in yeah. the living room. The dishes are going to be washed. You know what I'm saying? Everything. You're ready for that show to come on. And it's like you live vicariously through that family. Um, and it inspired a lot of people to go to college and, and even to show a different world. Just a little, just a little inside baseball on me. Dwayne Wade was, I mean, Dwayne Wayne was a huge inspiration for me. To mm-hmm. be smart and cool, mm-hmm. it's like you never saw that on TV before, right? So I, I can I can see that, you know, um, and funny. Okay, yeah, I can see that. So, how do you take now? How do you remove? How do you carve out that out of your memory? This is why this was a struggle for a lot of people. It's like, but at the same time, it's like, Bill, 60, 70 women, like, it, bruh, know, it like could, it, it got to be one or two. <laughs> it could it could be. Interesting. It could be part of a a binary two part um, kind of MK Ultra thing, and I think so because it's hard to reconcile with this. Well, yeah, it, Even, it, it confuses your your brain to a huge degree. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, and and what I'm what I'm saying is that maybe there's a part two that can be used, or. Or it's a, it's a continuing program. Just taking that as a possibility. I'm not saying that that's what it is. Well, let's go ahead and listen uh, listen to DL's last clip, and then we'll get into maybe some MK uh, connect- connections. So what did you specifically hear? Did you ever have like one of the girls approach you? And yes. You situation? Yes. It was all. It was. It was. It was always in the zone. I'll never forget. Uh, I ain't gonna say this cast name, but when they were doing. Um, uh, uh, e- either the uh, uh, um, it was a show that came out Different World he was a cat who was a stage manager there and they had let him um, per- direct one of the shows he, he got to direct one of those shows but he was a stage manager and he was late and that man made that, bl- that other, one black Bill Cosby made that black man sit down there like he was a child on the floor like a child I was like, what is this shit right here? Made him do that in front of me. So I've never had this kind of image that that was uh, 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 kind of inundated with the idea that because he was a staggeringly talented cat that he wasn't 
incapable of doing some of the shit people accuse him of. Well, I mean, Bill Cosby's always seemed to have like sort of a beef with a lot of other black comedians. Bill Cosby tried to. This is what people don't understand. When people say that you wouldn't be if it wasn't Bill Cosby, if Bill Cosby had owned NBC, if Bill Cosby, he sat on the board of Warner Brothers, he uh, Time Warner, he tried to stop HBO from happening. He hated it. So all the comics you know, love, and respect from the Chappelle's to the Martins to the Duckers uh, to the Def Jam uh, to the Kings of Comedy, he tried to stop from happening. That's just true. I'm not trying trying to assail his character that's absolutely true oh my god i've forgotten all about that i remember when he was so big that he owned like all this stuff and he was a huge shareholder and he had power at nbc it was crazy this is good he tried, thanks for he tried to stop H, he tried to stop hbo which would have stopped def jam def, which def comedy stopped, jam sure yeah which was like the catapult for hip-hop hip-hop comedy no Martin. Martin was the heir apparent uh, to him. I mean, like this, all this is connected because, and I, I, I've mentioned this before, that eight o'clock Thursday time slot. Something's magical about that with Black America. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is because it was Cosby owned it first, then he went away, and then Martin fell into that time slot. That was but a now, let, me ju- let me just give you right. one, an, an, an opposite yeah. side just for a second. And, okay. you know, I know that you're, you're getting, you're, you're ramping up towards something here. But what mm-hmm. if, what if Cosby saw it right and he saw the abuse that was coming down the pike with hip hop and the records and, um, you know, uh, let's just call it general trauma based entertainment. What if he saw mm-hmm. that coming down the pike and what he was trying to do was say, People, stop! You got to stop this. This is crazy. We're gonna we're gonna annihilate ourselves, and maybe that's what he was saying. And the way it came out is Cosby wanted to stop Def Comedy Jam. Um, yeah, because I'm not agreeing. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you mm-hmm. because I think he saw it right too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, it was my not the issue I have with the whole how. No, it was, I understand. How he handled I understand it because it's seek first to understand, then to be understood, and this is the role of an elder. To say, yes. oh, I remember when I was that age once, and I was doing what was that Uptown Saturday Night with uh with uh Sidney Portier, and I mean he, he has, I mean, I mean Bill wasn't the squeakiest clean person. Mm-mm. That's the thing is like it's the hypocrisy. If you were like squeaky clean, okay, then you can, you know, have the uh the right, more but, high but, ground. But, but you look, you watch him with uh, Sammy and uh, and Hefner on the Playboy at night. You know, back in the like early seventies or something, late sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those cats had it going on, man. You could right. tell and, it was swinging. It <laughs> was great, and that's the thing. Is like, Bill, you've been where we were at. Yeah, you see, and it's that seek first to understand, then to be understood. That's where Bill's undoing was that he didn't stay tied in with you know, what I'm saying the younger comics mm-hmm. uh, being uh, like, you know what. Uh, let me show you a trick so you don't have to use so many cuss words. Right. Because that, that's the thing. You, let's, let, me, let me show you how timing, that kind of, it's the transfer of knowledge and, you know, that stuff you can't pay for. But he was like, no, I'm well, going to have it my way. Well, they're these all, guys, yeah. my picks, and they're, they're perfect and pure. There are also choices you make as you get older, you know, where I turned I turn 57 in a couple of days, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, it's like uh, now I'm on the other side, right? So now it's uh, I one day will be old and be meant to cleaned up and, and, and swept under the carpet. 
And so you can, you can point at the next generation coming along, which I see as older millennials, 28, 29, and say, you're doing it wrong. Or, you know, like, well, here's a path and, uh, and go develop and, you know, and don't try to be a micromanaged language, which of course is where comedy, a lot of where comedy is about. Can you get the door for just a second? Because I think we need. See, we had to have a conver- uh, 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 inside of conversation or something. Not a problem. Okay. All right. Just us now. All right. All right. Just us. You could have been the Bill Cosby to me by saying, "Hey, young man, this is how podcasting is done, and if you can't stick to a certain day every week at a certain time." You know, you're going to fail and I'm going to not do business with you. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But you were like, Hey, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> this is what, you know, this is, this is what I'm saying. Like you could have took that. I know everything. Cause I'm the pod father kind of thing, kind of tone where you're like, no, no, you kind of let me feel my way through it. And it, it made me earn the respect to you because like, okay, this I'm talking to the pod father here. If he's saying we need to be on a schedule, you know what I'm saying? Like, who am I? To, but it's the approach. So I just want to say that it's the approach. You know, if you, yes. it's the way you come, especially when you're coming at younger people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you already got a chip on your shoulder. I mean, luckily we're, we're two mature men, you know, but these guys, 20s, yeah, best. And you're coming in, oh, that'll never work. You know, I hate hip hop. No, turn on the music, that kind of thing. So. I just wanted to uh, just have that conversation right like, quick. Okay, to say. All right, got it, got it. Well, and thank you. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you see it that way. And I think that yeah, approaches everything, no doubt about it. But of course, yeah. I also don't have a seat on the board at MDB, NBC. I'm not worth two not billion yet. dollars. Not <laughs> not yet. All right, doors open again. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> not yet. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that. We're working on it. You're still a young man. Uh, we'll get you there by time. Uh, copy yeah, we'll I'm, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. But but since you brought up uh, Playboy, yeah, we got to look into this relationship with uh, Playboy, Bill Cosby, and Hugh Hefner. So let's look at uh, Hugh Hefner's bedroom antics. Guys, Holly Madison's juicy memoir, Down the Rabbit Hole, Curious Adventures and Cautionary Tales of a Former Playboy Bunny, reveals secrets from behind the closed gates of the Playboy Mansion. Not surprisingly, the tell-all is stirring the pot with Hugh Hefner, but his former number one girlfriend is not done talking. Check out what Holly says Hef used to do to pit the girlfriends against each other. It's our Toyota People Pick of the Day. There's so many interesting things revealed. Some of those things were Hef's kind of rules, the things he liked, didn't like. So you've revealed some very explicit details here about your first sexual encounter with Hugh Hefner. Uh, You were offered quaaludes. You said no. You ended up drinking a lot to kind of make it through the night. He wanted you to put on a show of sorts and as well as the other girls. Uh, What's the bottom line here? Do any of the girlfriends really love Hef and and the kinds of sort of rituals or or these sort of games or requirements that are are sort of put on all of them in the bedroom. You know, when I first moved in, there were six other girls, and it just seemed like everybody wanted to get all that kind of thing over with very quickly and didn't really seem into it. How much about your past are you going to let your daughter uh, know about, or do you you want her to read this book eventually? You had to be thinking about Mm -hmm. that as you were revealing some of these things, that she's going to see this and know this. Yeah, one day when Rainbow's old enough, she'll definitely, you know, be able to read the book, and I'm very proud of the book, and, you know, even though there's some uncomfortable things for me in there it's it's something i'm proud of sharing my story and i hope that other people can learn from it (laughs) learn from it Mm -hmm. 
So we see Quaaludes. Quaaludes, yeah, interesting. But it's amazing. Hugh Hefner, American <laughs> icon. No takedown. Yeah, no takedown. 16, 17, eight, I mean, well, excuse me, uh, allegedly seven, eight, 17, 18-year-old girls coming in and out of the mansion. Like I said, it was America's whorehouse. For good or bad, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're not, but it, we have to call it what it is. We have these allegations coming out of these rituals that she called it. Yeah. And, oh, he was fine. <laughs> we love you. Isn't that amazing? So now we're going to go over to, uh, is there anything you want to say on that? Oh, no, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm digging. Us, I, you, you, dude, <laughs> dude, you brought the Quaaludes clip from Hefner. I mean, that was impressive. <laughs> A good one. All right, so let's get deeper into uh, Bill Cosby and uh, Hugh Hefner. This is uh, Mark Ebner who is a Hollywood reporter and sleuth. So we got to be serious. Uh, this is the Lip TV. Honestly, I, I, I want to get a few more points out because okay. it's really important. It, you know, we, uh, along the line of the quaaludes and that sort of thing. People have been asking, you know, oh, there's no proof he raped, or, you know, he raped anybody. Show us the prescription pills. Show us the, you know, the blood evidence. Show us this and show us that. How about believing these women, for starters? But beyond that, if you want to trace... The uh, if you want to follow the trail of drugs, Bill Cosby, I think you need look no further than the Playboy Mansion and Hugh Hefner, who uh, I think has been quoted as saying uh, as calling Quaaludes. Uh, what was it? Thigh openers. Yeah, I think that's the quote. <laughs> I also would look even closer into the mansion and look at uh, his personal physician, uh, Mark Saginar. Is that guy dead yet, by the way? I don't think so, but I'm not well, sure. He probably should be. But <laughs> regardless, this guy, uh, you know, put that together, that he not only had a, his personal physician on call, uh, quite possibly for date rape drugs whenever he wanted them, and I'm talking about Hefner, and I'm talking about uh, Cosby, and I'm talking about any other, you know, of these hanger-ons at the Playboy Mansion, you know, it's starting to make sense that you would probably look no further than Mark Saginaw's prescription pad. Oh, my. How about that? <laughs> and then the name Mark Saginaw pops up, a National Enquirer story, which, as we know from Men in Black, is, uh, mm-hmm. is real. And there it is. Exposed Bill Cosby's cronies who enabled his twisted crimes. Even his Quail- former yeah. TV co-star Jimmy J.J. Walker is now calling Bill Cosby the O.J. Simpson of the comedy world. <laughs> and now with the pylon. Like you had co-stars yeah, on the right, show, right? The uh, pile on, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it everybody just started piling on. Probably rightfully so. Like I said, with this much smoke, it has to be some fire there. And just as a, I would mention Martin Lawrence before, uh, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting person that um, uh, accused um, Bill Cosby of this crime that got no press. Uh, Lark Voorhees. Are you familiar with Lark Voorhees? Lisa Turtle from Saved by the Bell. No, no, I don't know anything and about she, it. And she had a complete meltdown in front of everybody. Uh, she was the black girl on Saved by the Bell, which mm-hmm. was another one of my childhood shows. And when I would go back and look at her and what happened to her, she clearly suffers from some kind of multiple personality kind of thing going on, which could, which could easily be DID. 
But um, she had always throwing up the three sixes hand sign and the all Illuminati, Illuminati hand signs in the Say Bob the Bell ads. Oh wow! So it's like wow, like but nobody gave her the time of day to speak about it because they wanted to be white women being attacked by Bill Cosby. Schizo affective disorder. Yes, I had a whole set of clips to go, go down the rabbit hole. Maybe another time for another day, but it was fascinating that she didn't get any press. But her meltdown was covered in the media, but they never connected her to Cosby. And I just found that interesting. It, a, glare, a glaring, no, miss. Omission. Chance. Omission. Omission, excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So um, you want to hear more from yeah, uh, yes. Mark Ebner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. Let's go. Then I would look yeah. even deeper. And I've been saying this for a long time. I can't wait for a journalist more savvy than I am to start looking into the death of the playmate, Paige Young, who died of an accidental overdose of, yeah, barbiturates. It's uh, something's, uh, something doesn't smell right, and it's coming out of the Playboy Mansion. Okay, but here's the thing. First of all, there was uh, like some references to Hefner and what had happened there and Bill Cosby, and then Hefner somehow deftly steered the publicity away from there, away from the mansion. But secondly, just because people were taking quaaludes in the 70s at the Playboy Mansion isn't Wait, evidence. I certainly was. Ta- I-, I was taking quaaludes in the 70s. So uh, I have no doubt that these quote-unquote thigh openers uh, were probably at one time uh, Bill Cosby's uh, knockout drug of choice. Well, it's interesting theory, but I mean, you know, the, the idea that you automatically can, I mean, in a court of law, you can't associate the fact that he purchased quaaludes with the fact that these women were given them involuntarily. I mean, I think that's the missing link from the reports that we're seeing on Cosby and, and, and the idea that he said in a deposition that he used them and he used them with women to have sex isn't the same as an admission that he gave them to them without their consent. Oh yeah, the Paige Young thing. I I, I remember looking at this. That was, I mean, mm-hmm. she she overdosed, and I think she she shot herself in the head uh, while on an American flag with a pentagram. You know, all kinds of weird stuff. And like Hugh Hefner is the devil. That was that was her her parting shot. I think. Well, well maybe she's got on something there. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but why? How is it that Hugh Hefner is able to steer the attention away from him? Like, don't look over here. <coughs> oh, well, that's easy. Hugh Hefner has the goods on a lot of p- powerful people. Well, you want to screw with? The, he might be the Epstein of his time. Yes, I mean, exactly. Who, who you want to you want to screw with Hef? <laughs> no, that's not, that was not a good idea. Well, there's something deeper there with Hef, but we're going to get to it. Um, so we got Hefner, we got uh, Quaaludes, aka thought openers, being passed around like candy. But my question is this. Who the hell is still making quaaludes? Oh, I don't know if they are. Are they still being made? I mean, he, they have to be. He's getting them prescribed to him. They're probably under an. Uh, no, they're probably uh, out of patent. So, in a time where we can't get hydroxychloroquine <laughs> and, and other and horse paste, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Bill Cosby can get some daggone vintage. Well, oh, what was it? Seventy four quaaludes. Oh, that was a year. Let me get some of those. What? What? I have never, uh, never had a quaalude, so I really wouldn't know. No, what I'm saying is, who's making them? They always want to stop at Bill. Okay, who wrote the prescription? Notice on the Bill Cosby side, 
I mean, on the Michael Jackson side, well, he had a, the doctor. There's an interest, right? There's an interesting uh, article here I'll put in the show notes from the BBC titled The Rise and Fall of Quaaludes, which is actually a trade name. It's uh, methaquaylone is the actual drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, first synthesized in 1951 in India. Germany and Japan were the f- first big markets where the drug racked up an extensive record of addiction and abuse. In the UK, it was known as Mandrax, a name still used in South Africa. Doctors were essentially giving them out like candy, says Justin Gass, author of the book about the drug. It was very easy to obtain quaaludes in the mid to late 70s and early 80s. And one of pop culture's most famous quotes, another quaalude, you love me in the morning. What was Scarface really saying? Right. Hmm. <laughs> Just things to make you say, hmm, you know, what, what? And now everybody Oh, oh, it. oh, I know. So then it became r- rof- Rufinol. Oh. Yeah. Rufies. Th- Rufies, which yeah. Is another, which is another problematic drug. Who's <laughs> making this stuff? Like a, with Michael Jackson, we know the doctor who gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby, nobody except this guy, Ebner, even mentions the name of the doctor. Right. Okay, now we have the doctor who's still manufacturing these thought openers. It's, it's a clear, I mean... Like I said, in 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 the scope of how we see medical uh, and pharmaceuticals now, how they can deem something is bad. Well, no, it's only bad when they can't make a lot of money on it because they don't have the patent. You see, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, who? I mean, Bill Cosby wasn't the only one getting like they wasn't whipping up a special batch for him. Maybe they was. Maybe he had that much money. He's like, hey, I need you to fire up the machines. Uh, it's gonna be a uh, a busy weekend, but just to show you, uh, Bill Cosby's connection with uh, a black celebrity, and then uh, his connection with the Playboy Mansion. We have John Sally here of the uh, Bad Boy fame, not Bad Boy the movie, but Bad Boy. Well, he wasn't Bad Boy the movie too, but Bad Boys, Detroit Pistons, and the Chicago Bulls, famous basketball player. He's going to give his take on Bill Cosby uh, and the Playboy Mansion. So you just asked me about Bill Cosby. Let me just say this one thing about Bill Cosby. Um, I don't know. Um, I miss Doc. Um, and he, he taught me a lot of things. He always had wise things to say. You for guys me. knew each other? Yeah, man. I, really? I, was, I became really cool with him in 1989. We're both in the same fraternity, Omega Sci-Fi Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and he every year I would see him. I'd go to the Playboy Jazz Festival. I'd sit there. And he'd give me jewels. And he would talk about things, talk about things. He also was isolated and put into a point. And I also know the time of the time they were saying all that was going on. Um, and people wanted to look at his wife he got kicked out of his house for like two years when he was hosting the tonight show for johnny carson johnny was going through his depression and bill cosby was hosting the tonight show and living at the playboy mansion i didn't know that yeah so his wife kicked him out yeah man okay like this is the trip when they hit you up with all of this that we see now Mm -hmm. it has to move fast and no one does research and and they they crucified him and they used the they use wait I'm not knowing if he's right or wrong yeah. I'm just telling you according to what Time Magazine or Newsweek Magazine had all the women's heads and sitting there uh, people were yelling out there was a ton of things happening saying this dude was at this point and he was guilty and it was at and was going down and down and down wow <laughs> 
living at the Playboy Mansion. Oh, hell yeah. Well, Johnny Carson was married 20 times. Yeah, I'm just saying that that doesn't job well with the image of Bill Cosby. No. And this is all news to me. I didn't know he was that connected to Bill Cosby until I started me get to the Playboy Mansion and, and uh, Hugh Hefner until I started doing the uh, the show research for the show. And I this is not this was not the original path. Did you, did, did, you to... did you watch any of the actual YouTube videos of the Playboy After Dark with Cosby? Well, I didn't watch that, but I do have an ad for the Playboy Jazz Fest in 2011. Let me set this up right quick. So, uh, Bill, I mean, half is sitting with one of his beauties, and uh, Bill is looking like a you know he's older now, uh, and he and he's like, well, let's listen to the clip. So we have. Hugh, a beautiful woman, and Bill, and listen to the transaction or the conversation they have. This festival of the Playboy Jazz Festival, June 11th and 12th, your words, what do you know it will be? It'll be a grand party, the party of the year, an unforgettable weekend and a long history of jazz. Thank you. My pleasure, Bill. All right, take care. I love care. you. Thank you, I love right. you. Take and care. I, I wish you had a present for me. Well, I do. You're going to be present. really surprised. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Party, party. Party, party. Half told me I was with you. Get it? Now, what were we seeing there? So, basically, that, that was the present. So, yes. Yeah, so, the present was he was asking for a girl. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I wish you brought me a present." Hef's like, "I yeah. got something for you." And then Granny comes in, an old lady. Ah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just <laughs> going to show like how they talked about women. It's like, "Oh, you got a present for me?" Oh, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. So. And this not, is 2011. That, wait, wait, wait. This, no. 2011 that, Jazz Fest. Really? This is from YouTube. Yes. Are you sure the, about the blurb that? On the, the blurb on the show says Bill Cosby, Hugh Hefner, and Playboy mate uh, Crystal McCall. Oh, okay. Yeah. McCahill, McCahill talk about the 2011 Playboy Jazz Fest Festival. Granny joins in on the fun, the, pl- the Shit, party man. of the summer. The, the Bachelor guy just got canceled for for less. You know the new. Ho- <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Bachelor, the the Jeopardy host, the, the executive producer who who was going to ho- start hosting it, and they right. went back and found some podcast from from 2010. Exactly. Oh, my and we goodness. and we have Hugh Hefner and talking Bill Cosby talking about presents in 2011. This is ain't five that, six years. Ain't that crazy? Ain't that convenient? Is that yeah, right? <laughs> Ain't that convenient. Uh, but it is still on YouTube to this day. Wow, very interesting. Uh, so that's what money will get you, <laughs> right? Well, and not even money, but you're saying money and power and leverage. Uh, speaking of money, uh, we like new money. I like brand new money. I just I don't want any money around me. Is not. I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand than an old twenty. Now, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like $100 bills? Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh. Most beautiful thing on earth is a $100 bill. I haven't seen a woman as good looking as a $100 bill. 
There's something about a hundred dollar bill that excites you. <laughs> right. So um, the new money uh, in, you know, I would say we have, uh, we got Satoshis you can uh, hook us up with. You can boost mm-hmm. us in one of the podcasting 2.0 apps, newpodcastapps.com. Stream us sats every single uh, minute you're listening to the show. We also love your fiat fund coupons, and a lot of that is coming in through PayPal and uh, Cash App, and uh, and now we have a P.O. box as well. So here's the rest of our uh, producer. We're going to read out notes up until uh, including $30, and then we'll just match up the name with the amounts for the rest. And again, mm-hmm. we appreciate the value that everybody brought uh, and sticking with us uh, despite some of the gaps in programming. Um, so $40 from Edwin Torres, and he would like some uh, GBG. We know what that means. Give blacks guns. So here we go. Do we have a problem? <laughs> Where's that from, Mo? That's uh, from Don't Be a Menace to Society While Drinking Juice in the Hood. Uh, one, of the, one of the most classic movies. I love it. I love it. It's good. Uh, thanks, Edwin. Ibrahim Habi. 3982. Thanks, Mo and Adam, for expanding my brain every time I listen. As a black body living in France and coming from a former French colony in Africa, your podcast has shed light on so many similarities on our oppression from the colonizers. First donation, more to come. Please undeadbeat me. We call it de-deadbeating. Keep up the good work, Ibrahim. Congratulations. (laughs) You're no longer a deadbeat. I like hearing that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Keep it coming, Ibrahim. Sam of the Beargrass, uh, 3633, and says, after listening to the last three episodes and experiencing in real time the hidden, uh, the sudden forced muzzling of children as young as two years old, for the next 270 days where I live, one thing is, pati- is painfully clear. All of this abuse is directed primarily at the youth. Can I please have some Mo Karma for all the kids out there? And anything else you think would help? Well, Mo Karma always does does do wonders. You've got Mo Karma. Now, Dodge Gaskill comes in too because I think he's on a, a self installed uh, subscription um, <clears throat> per show, and uh, so we appreciate the two donations of thirty three thirty three, which he says great podcast once again and go podcasting, and we thank you for that very much. Uh, Benjamin Bateman thirty three thirty three, keep doing the work, stay safe. He says. Greg Wheeler, Jr., 3333, truly appreciate your honest, well-researched, and invaluable conversations. You and Adam are essential voices in our world and give human resources, like myself, hope and the peace of mind that I'm not alone in my thoughts. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Love you guys. This is my first donation. I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to contribute as I really appreciate the absence of sponsors and agendas. Yes, it's value for value. Thank you again for all you do uh, for what both of you are doing. He didn't ask to be de-debited, so I didn't uh, make mention Let's of it. Let's do it anyway. Oh. Might as well. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Because he's not, so he might as well get it. <laughs> and Michael Olson, also no longer a deadbeat, wants a de-deadbeating. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. With 3333. Trusted influencer with 3333. Mo Adam, thank you. With a couple of emojis that translated weirdly on my spreadsheet. I'm sure it was waving hands. Uh, Tiffany Hewitt, $30. Dear Mo and Adam, thank you for all the great information you provide. This show is one of a kind. No jingles, no karma, but I'd like to give a shout out to my smoking hot boyfriend, Greg, who has had a birthday on July 30th and introduced me to this amazing show. Sorry about the, the tardiness. Happy birthday, Greg. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. 
Uh, Edwin Torres, thirty dollars. Uh, he's a Ronimo donor, and he wants a, a GBG. Do we have a panel? And he came in twice again on a self-imposed uh, repeating schedule, uh, where he uh, asked for the uh, the GBG. We just got that for you, and he says, "New money is sus weed." Indeed, it is. And then our final note that we're going to read out from Shannon Shelton, also $30. Mo, first I want to thank you for the show. I've learned so much because your perspective has challenged what I thought I knew. As a rural white Christian, a.k.a. public enemy number one, <laughs> I've always, <laughs> that's all a matter of perspective. I've always taught my kids that God sees everyone equally. Skin color doesn't matter. Different people have different cultures and not and not understanding someone's culture is not racism. We just need to listen and try to understand. After my friend, white, married to her husband, black, and we all got together, I could hear him tell his mom to stop acting black around the white people. I was shocked. I don't have many black friends, and she's fantastic. It made me sad that he felt like they had to act differently around us. I'm thrilled to hear you and Adam have real conversations about real topics and that you don't self-censor. Second, WAP 1 and 2 killed me. I know that girls are taught their bodies can be on display and guys should shut up and other women should be supportive of them dressing like street workers or else. I've often spoken out against this insanity, but I feel like it has little to no effect. Mean girls are real, and until parents really get a grip on teaching their children real values instead of allowing Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube to program them, it'll be an uphill battle. It is a battle, however, I'm one that I'm willing to continue to fight until God takes me home. Thank you again, Shannon. Thank you. Great note. Fantastic note. And I think we need, she's uh, de-deadbeating as well, if I'm not mistaken. She's getting it. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. And, <coughs> excuse me, uh, just for time's sake, uh, we're going to no, uh, stop reading the notes under the 30 level. Uh, but we will, of course, thank everybody. Uh, at the 20s, we see uh, Mo Fanta, uh, Maureen. We see Rianne Fernie, Paul E. Lovato, Robert D. Dunbar, Susan Tillett, and Shazir, Shazier, Shazier. And then mm-hmm. we, and, uh, we have 1892 from G. McDonald. And then at $10, we thank Christopher Lata, Terrence Trent, uh, Chef Elvis Rosenberg, Michael Hanna, Andrea, Dame Digital, Frequency Records, uh, Charles A. Van de Zanda, uh, Andrea again with $10. Thank you, Andrea, for your weeklies or showlies. Uh, then David Ackerman at $9, Terry Keller with $8.22, Timothy Vitafain with $8.11, and finally, yeah, we wind up with Vincent Farrell with $5.55. Uh, and I think, think you may have missed two people. Oh, okay, and, please. Yeah. I want to make sure because, like I said, yeah, uh, no, go for it. Everybody value value matters, and that's uh, Grant uh, Convey, Convey uh, twenty five, and Clinton at twenty three. Oh, I'm sorry sure about that. Yeah, in. you're I right. I did miss yeah. this. That was a scroll problem. Okay, I know y'all y'all wanted us to slip so you can make it to the top of the next show, but we got you. <laughs> uh, All speaking right. of got you, speaking of got you, it's time to start calling out the deadbeats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, we do need to do some we, of that. Yeah, we we've been nice uh, as far as uh, you know, letting you be in your ears, but uh, deadbeats have to be called out, and we don't call you out. No, <laughs> you're a deadbeat. <laughs> and I even got a special uh, uh, jingle for you to be called out. So if you know people that are deadbeating, um, make them feel good about themselves by calling them out. 
And we thank all these producers and, again, our executive and associate executive producer for episode 65 of Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Thank you again. Uh, keep boosting us. Use those new apps, newpodcastapps.com. Uh, become part of the future with bitcoins and splashing sats everywhere. And uh, your uh, your dollars, your fiat fund coupons, your cuck bucks, all welcome at mofax.com, directly to our uh, donation page at mofundme.com. Thank you all very much. So now we've made the connection with Bill Cosby in the Playboy Mansion and Hugh Hefner. We got to look and see how America remembered the complicated legacy of Hugh Hefner. We're remembering the very influential life of Hugh Hefner. He made his network television debut in 1956 on CBS. Speaking to Mike Wallace, Hefner defended the image of Playboy magazine. Sex always will be an important part of the book because sex is probably the single thing that uh, uh, men are most interested in. Oh, with this, I think that you'll agree. It's a sniggering kind of sex. It's a lascivious kind of sex. It certainly isn't a healthy approach to sex. You we suggest that it is. I would not only suggest that I would say rather strongly. We consider it a pretty healthy man. Well, by the 1970s, Playboy had more than 7 million readers. Wow, and Hefner was certainly a household name. He built an empire on the simple idea that sex is important to people. With us from Los Angeles Matt is Matt Bellany. He's editorial director of The Hollywood Reporter. Good morning to you, Matt. Good morning. Well, he certainly changed the magazine culture. He changed the American sex culture, if you will. But that came with some controversy. Back in the day, there were a lot of protests about how women were portrayed in the magazine. What do the critics say today about the legacy? see that he's left. I think it's a very complicated legacy because on the one hand, Playboy was criticized. It was the first major mainstream magazine to feature nude women. And it was in the context of politics and lifestyle and all these other things, but it was essentially a naked women magazine. And you know, people like Gloria Steinem at the time, very opposed, said Playboy could fill a book with what it doesn't know about women. <laughs> Gloria Steinem. One of our friends, oh, friends from many, many, many episodes of MoFax. Yes. And Gloria Steinem was backed by the CIA to be placed into Seventeen Magazine. She reported so to thought, the CIA. I mean, she, she was CIA. Right. So if that case, who's to say that Hugh Hefner wasn't CIA because he did make his debut as, um, uh, as the commentator said, on CBS. <laughs> Which, the, the, what do you call CBS? The Central Intelligence Broadcasting System. And guess who Hugh Hefner's cousin is? George uh, Bush. You're kidding me. I kid you not. There's an article, uh, you can put it in the show notes, of uh, CBS uh, Hefner uh, Odd Cousin. Yes. So now we have these two people popping up with magazines around about the same time. Uh, exploring sexuality, uh, women's sexuality, uh, and I just find it fascinating that um, we have Gloria Steinem commenting on uh, Hugh Hefner, and Hugh Hefner is remembered as a complicated legacy. Now, he's been known to have uh, spread around his own uh, share of thigh openers. No big deal. <laughs> Yes, it's Hugh being Hugh. You, you you understand now. You understand, <laughs> like when you look right, at it, right. Like, but but again, but again, if he was indeed a kind of Epstein, and he had the goods on everybody, he had big protection. So 
you know, and, and, and you're, you're really convincing me that Hefner may have had that kind of role. So yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree what you're saying. Yes. But no, I'm just saying like on the surface level. Yeah. Yeah. On the surface uh, level. Hear, yeah. Yeah. If you hear the news stories and you hear, right. well, Bill's locked down, you know what I'm saying? Doing a three to 10 up the river. And he was, <laughs> he was just saying it's a smoking jacket. You know what I'm saying? Flanked by three beautiful blondes. That's it's right. Like, how's that work out? Well, pretty good. Pretty good for the white guy. It sounds like it did. <laughs> uh, uh, let's continue on with uh, Hugh Hefner's uh, complicated legacy. But on the other hand, it was filled with progressive politics. And it was the, you know one of the few magazines that they interviewed MLK and they interviewed Muhammad Ali. And they did a lot of articles that were very progressive in the politics. They were pro-choice at a time when not many outlets were openly so. Mm. And they were very pro-First Amendment. And these causes that the culture sort of caught up to but Playboy was doing it at a time in the in the 50s, 60s, 70s when it wasn't that accepted from big national magazines like that. When I was growing up, there were two magazines you collected. One was Playboy and the other was the National Geographic. <laughs> two very different. Two very materials. different. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what happens going forward? We know that his son Cooper is going to be taking over the magazine. The circulation has dropped uh, significantly, as have many industry magazines as well. How does the magazine and the brand go forward in a digital age? It's a tough road. Recently, Cooper Hefner, Hugh's son, has assumed control of the brand, but the magazine, you know, they have gone through a rocky tenure with multiple editors. They got rid of nude pictures, then they brought them back. They have a, a very lucrative licensing business where the Playboy brand is very meaningful around the world, but in the U.S., they really have struggled, and the culture has sort of gone beyond Playboy. They have to figure out a way to make the Playboy brand relevant in today's media and cultural environment. Of course, everyone will remember that iconic Playboy bunny yes. that founded, right? Matt, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, okay. Yes. Two things. One, uh, I think that's Charlie Rose who was talking yeah, that's in the Charlie. beginning. Oh, Charlie loves him so he would. Right. So, you know, Char- Charlie, you know, he got his own takedown. Uh, the only you know, and with the uh, with white men, it's always like he's a, he's a sad, pathetic old man holding his his robe open in front of young girls. Mm-hmm. So you know, his own separate type of takedown. But what I thought interesting was he said something there that I'd like to know your perspective on. He said, okay. "When I was a kid, we saved two kind of magazines: Playboy magazine and National Geographic." To which all the female uh, hosts on the show go, "Ha ha ha! That's a very different kind." But I know what I know what Charlie meant. And I'm curious if if uh, how this was for you. We like National Geographic for a short time. I'm talking, yeah, we're like 12. 11. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, <laughs> because you Go could ahead. see boobies. There were yes. boobs in that thing, baby. That's yes. why. And they yep. were all black boobs, too. Which and But that never black mattered brown, to black us. Black and brown boobs. Black right. Boobs. There were no white boobs in the magazine, but we, we were just as interested in the boobs, no matter what the color they were. Just Just saying. And, and not discussed uh, fact of uh, American male uh, pr- pr- pubescence. You gave me insight on that because I was wondering, like, who collects National Geographic? I thought he was going to say, like, Mad Magazine or something like that. But when you say the booby part, I do agree. Um, uh, that was the first thing you try to find when you went to the doctor's office. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, no, but notice that the, it was exciting for the white boys as well as the black and brown boys, no mm. matter. And even though all the, all the boobs were of color, 
and let's take it all black and white for a minute. Let's just go uh, Hugh Hefner versus uh, Larry Flint, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. a hustler. Yep, Larry. Larry had a very hard time with the government oh, for trying mu- to do a similar thing. Much worse than Hugh Hefner. So why? Why? I mean, it's kind of like the Plansky thing. It's like, why Why certain people have a hard time and then other people have uh, uh, get, a, get a pass? But let's just not go there. I just wanted to bring that up as a, as a passing uh, comment. But now we got to go look at the the rabbit. So we're going yes. over to the art of awakening. The re- now this is where we get to. This, <laughs> this is, the, is where we get. <laughs> yeah, this is the real. Well, this is this is the real power of Playboy. Is this branding? I'm sure. I'm sure right. of it. Okay. Uh, the the rabbit totem spirit. Hey there, this is Christy with Spirit Animal Oracle, and today I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the spirit meaning of rabbit. Rabbit, even though it's a, a pretty small, we think it's a weak animal, it is actually, it can be an incredibly powerful spirit animal, and it has an abundance of meanings. And uh, speaking of abundance, abundance is actually um, one of rabbit's biggest magic powers, I guess you could say. You, you know, if you've ever been out in the country in the springtime, you've seen the baby rabbits kind of popping like popcorn right out of the hedges they just like they know how to reproduce and they're legendary for it and this is a really actually there was a, a scientific study done by somebody at miami university and they estimated they they just kind of did the math on rabbits and their estimate was that at average rates of reproduction if there was no disease or predation or anything a single mother rabbit and her female babies could produce over 187 billion offspring in seven years. <laughs> Rabbits, well, there's a reason they multiply so fast because they're prey. A lot of things depend on rabbits. And because they are prey, that really brings up some of the other spiritual associations that rabbits oh, wow. has. Sensitivity is one. Then we're going to look at fear, and, and fear is a huge one for rabbits. So if you're a rabbit person, you're probably going to be challenged by fear. You're going to have a lot of fear stuff coming up, to, fears to overcome, and so forth. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never even thought about the rabbit's place in the world, but he's basically lunch. Food. Yes, yeah, that's, that's his entire right. job. Look pretty, cute, be innocent, and be food. Sounds like a Playboy bunny to me. Um, but... If you look at it and say, okay, rabbit, white rabbit goes to Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. going down, you know, going down in the uh, rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So are you familiar <laughs> with uh, Grace Slick? I'm, I, I know Grace Slick. I, I've met her. I've hung out with her and her daughter, China. Okay. So are you aware of their song, The White Rabbit? <laughs> Yes, of course. Yes. Let's listen to Grace Slick breakdown of White Rabbit. We were talking about something that was going on at the time, and we liked it. We had a good time. Uh, But we were not saying, why don't you guys all go out and take drugs? The only song that talked about drugs, as far as Jefferson Starship or Airplane, was mine. It was called uh, White Rabbit. And all it was doing was letting my parents and everybody's parents know that they had been reading us books written by British authors. The British had uh, control over the Far East, Middle East, um, and they had found new drugs, which the writers took and then wrote about. 
um, Alice in Wonderland sitting on a psychedelic mushroom. There is a uh, worm that is going to turn into a butterfly who hands her a piece of this mushroom, and she gets literally high. She grows. And so... Um, the parents were down on us for taking drugs, so I was just saying, look, you've been reading us drug books for Peter Pan. He sprinkled some white dust all over everybody. So all of these, uh, the British writers mainly, because this stuff hadn't come to America yet or we didn't care or something, were uh, talking about uh, how your life will be better if you take a chemical. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like Quaaludes. Um Yeah. So in the White Rabbit lyrics, there's I'll just read a couple of lyrics to you. It says, and if you go chasing rabbits and you know you're uh, going to fall, that's one lyric of it. Uh, and then she goes down and says, when logic and proportion have fallen dead and the white knight is take talking backwards and the red queen off with her head. Red queen. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that may be a stretch, but what I, what it says is, I believe Playboy and all these things were set up to get rid of logic, proportion, math is racist. And once you get rid of all of these things and get people in a emotional state like they're doing now, uh, like she was saying, use drugs, get kids hooked on drugs. We have a drug epidemic going on right now um, that nobody's talking about with fentanyl. I mean, maybe even rivals crack and, you know, the heroin of the 70s of the 70s. I think these kind of things, Gloria Steinem, 17 magazine, feminism, they were, well, I think people underestimate magazines. First of all, magazines, and you can speak more to this, but I know I was at the very end of magazines, but like, like the life of magazines, that's something that you look forward to every month to come out, you know, so you can read it and keep up. It was like faster than a book. Well, it, you know, no, it was the same as the Cosby show before streaming and, uh, you know, and uh, and the nonlinear programming. So you would have to watch on Thursday. Every, right. Everybody knew where you were. Everybody knew when the new when the new National Geographic was coming out. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, everybody knew when the Playboy would hit the stands, of course. It's a shared consciousness, right? Yes, it was. Probably, oh, yeah. Yeah. So as going back to the totem spirit meaning of the rabbit. She said one rabbit and their offspring could create a billion rabbits, right? So mm-hmm. one rabbit, Marilyn Monroe, could create billions of Marilyn Monroe wannabes. <laughs> one Megan Thee Stallion could create millions of wannabe Megan Thee Stallions. They understand, they said, let's use women to push these political uh, ideologies. And on the inverse side of that, we'll have a Gloria Steinem pushing another toxic form of uh, uh, femi- uh, feminism or uh, femininity, let me say that better word, and they got both sides covered. You know who runs play- Playboy now, don't you? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Oh, Christy Ann Hefner. She, oh. Hef's daughter. Oh, yeah. It's And, and she's woke. And uh, I thought she was, I thought she was gay. I guess I'm wrong about that says she well she's divorced um yeah i know it's it's, and you know she'd made a lot of changes that people didn't like i'm just saying that was the one place that guys could go to be gods Mm -hmm. i mean that the playboy mansion was still that um i don't think it has the hay like of now um because like you said with social media there's really no need for a playboy mansion Instagram is the Playboy Mansion now. I mean, you could procure. Right. Oh yeah, pretty oh, yeah. much. Oh yeah, no, it's over. Fans. No, totally. Right. it's totally over. Totally. But it had its it had its 
purpose mm-hmm. of bringing in um bringing in uh, a new thought about sexuality and a case in point of that is Hugh Hefner's uh, relationship with Alfred Kinsey one of the virgins in college that read Kinsey and believed him was a guy named Hugh Hefner Okay. Yeah. So he's in so college. So Hefner was yeah, an advocate for he, Well, Kinsey's. he reads Kinsey and he says, hey, everybody's been lying to me. Uh, they've all been diddling around doing all this stuff. And I have been standing here being a nice guy. Forget it. He says, I will be, and I'm quoting him, Kinsey's pamphleteer. I will be Kinsey's pamphleteer. Really? So from there, he began to advocate for changes in the law. And he created a magazine called... Playboy. Playboy, which then he said would reflect what Kinsey had found about human sexuality. In his fraudulent data. In his fraudulent data. data. America was educated by a pedophile whose work was labeled as science. Just as Darwin was the father of legitimizing evolution, Kinsey was the father of legitimizing the sexual revolution and all that's based upon that today. Sure enough, Hefner was true to his word. Not only did he popularize pornography on a global scale, he also helped to legalize it. Yeah, the Kinsey report, of course. Yes. So this is Judith Reisman, uh, and she's been on uh, Kinsey's tail for a long, a very long time now. Uh, she's cropped up due to the um, uh, issue with pornography and uh, porn addiction. And that's what that was from a King's Work Studio documentary that I pulled that clip from. Mm-hmm. But as I went and go, started going back and looking at her, she's been doing this since 1990 and even before on Kinsey. So, I mean, before we get into Kinsey and, and her take on him, anything you want to say about him or oh, about, Ken- about Kinsey? Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, his report was uh, was groundbreaking when the first Kinsey report came out about sexuality. And uh, there's even a, a TV series um, uh, Masters of Sex, I think that, uh, that that is partially, if not all, about Kinsey. But what mm-hmm. was controversial? One of the many controversial things was the Kinsey scale, and this was, I think, it was. Um, let me look here. Zero, yeah, zero to six, where zero was you were completely straight, and six you were you were uh, homosexual. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like you know you can't really imagine having that scale today in today's woke world. But, um, or could you see, I, I, that's why I love doing the show with you because I, think oh, right. It, well, maybe it's apropos now. Yeah. Right. Because so it's may- not, bi- it's not binary. Of no, being three, gay or three, no, three on the scale is binary, I guess. Right. So there's grades of gender and sexuality, this gradient across the spectrum. Um, whereas it used to be gay, straight or bisexual. Right. I mean, that was the, right. Oh yeah. Well, even bisexual took a while for that one to, to come in. Right, so I'm just saying that, that that thing that fits even more fitting now than yeah. even the time it came out. Well, anyway, so my, the, my, there was there was a lot of uh, controversy about the report. Also, I believe he participated in the in the study. So there's a lot of a lot of issues with it. But could this have been important in this context for how se- how sexuality was really introduced into the public lexicon? You bet. Mm-hmm. You bet. So Let's go. I have a uh, Junie uh, Reisman, Judith, excuse me, Doctor. Let me put respect her name, Doctor Judith Reisman. And sh- this is 1990, uh, December 5th. 
Uh, she's on the Do- Phil Donahue show. In a nutshell, it's fundamentally all the information on children is based on um, sexual abuse of 317 infants and children from two months of age to 14 years of age. The majority of them, in fact, under 10 years old. Yeah, but you can't prove that, Dr. Reisman. And those who preside at the sex uh, at the Kinsey Institute today are appalled at the, uh, some might say, libelous charges that you make, not only about the work done by the late Dr. Kinsey, but also by some who follow him. We should also tell you that Indiana University, a very proud conservative institution of higher learning in America, stands by this institute and uh, most of the people who survive today, who worked with Dr. Kinsey, identify him as an honorable man who abused nobody, touched nobody, and uh, not surprising, it was a subject of controversy on the occasion of the publication of his book about men in 1948 and women in 1953. You can't prove that he abused children. Uh, I think that the book establishes that there was abuse that took place without any question. He admitted that. Excuse me. He admitted that in the book. And if in fact what it wasn't true... What did he say true, that admitted that? Oh boy, do I wish... He said uh, he described nine technically trained men. He called them technically trained men who he said were sexually stimulated. He said they were uh, they had had sexual relationships with young boys and that they were the source of all of his data. Huh, okay. I don't remember that in the TV series. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you hear how uh, Phil Donahue is running uh, protection against uh, for Kinsey. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very similar to how Whoopi Goldberg was running interference for uh, Roman Polanski. And yet it, like, oh, it's... you can't prove that. You know, that's kind of... But see, it's even, I mean, not... Not for one way or the other. I mean, we take mm-hmm. Wikipedia for what it is, but it's right there in Wikipedia. It says it right like? there about the children. There it is. I mean, <laughs> I mean Wikipedia, you know, they, they like to take stuff off, stuff like this. So I'm just saying it's, it is there. Yeah, it was, right. he was researching children and, short, children and uh, observing orgasms in over 300 children aged from two months up to 15 years old. So how do you, I don't even want to think about it, but I'm just saying, yeah. now you understand, like, even in 1990, on a, this, just for people that went around, Phil Donahue was mainstream daytime television. Mm-hmm. This this is not some, you know, uh, obscure, you know, clip. This was on mainstream television in, in the daytime. And he's clearly running interference for uh, Kinsey and uh, the... Um, University of Indiana, which he calls a conservative university, so it's not across a spectrum of a uh, liberal conservative either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to get into the second clip? From yeah, that show? sure. He described right. screaming and fainting and convulsions. He described he described children who were striking what he called the partner. That was the that was the man right. that who was who was abusing the children. And then he drew from that conclusion himself, Phil. Yeah, he he drew from that conclusion himself that the children enjoyed the experience. That's blaming the victim. You know what that is. This audience, you are entitled to have me identify my own bias here right at the beginning. Okay. I admire what the sex uh, what the Kinsey Institute does. I know. I am personally familiar with its director and have worked with her, and she has made a very important contribution to a series that I was proud to have my name on in 1986. So, and uh, 
Not a few people who support Kinsey, the Kinsey Institute, have questioned your credentials. Of course they do. I would if I was having you investment. You, Mr. Eastman, Phil, happens to be the most repudiated PhD Talk in America. First of all, Phil, sure, her work has been rejected by uh, the Justice Department that ate their $800,000 grant. So you're supporting because, Meese now. So secondly, this is a spokesman for Meese now. Secondly, the American, please, Judith, this, the American University also <laughs> rejected her study. Yeah. The Meese Commission refused to <laughs> I don't think you've ever been published, have you, in a scientific journal? Yes, never. I certainly. Name oh, it. never. Name the, it. How about ethology and sociobiology? Is that uh, scientific enough for you? But did you not spend most uh, a good deal of time writing music for Captain Kangaroo? Oh my God! But, you know, <laughs> wow, she was. They were. They brought her on to take her down. Exactly. And yet, all of that that she's saying is is reported here with sources in the in her in, in his book. Mm-hmm. That's why it's in sources, yeah, because he wrote about it exactly in his book. And yet they like, like they like taking him down. Like, are you not a PhD? You're not even been published. Don't you writing Captain Kangaroo music? <laughs> wow. Doesn't it sound Shocking. very similar Shocking. to what we're hearing now? Shocking! <laughs> like, you're not a real doctor. Who you? Where's your credentials? Mm-hmm. But, but you see, when a the structure, the power structure wants to protect somebody, it goes all in. So now, when you look at the other side, and people want to say, "Well, we need to protect Bill Cosby because next, uh, the net, you know, net net of it is, you know, he was good for black people." Why don't why why not not I'm not saying. Let me be very clear. I am not saying that. But when you see this and hear this protection of Hugh Hugh Hefner uh, of Kinsey of whoever uh, Roman Polanski we've heard case by case by case by case of protecting these men but America's dad gotta go yeah it doesn't it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense he, either either he, he all bad he, or all good. He did something. He didn't do something right. Not in the club. I don't know. That's really odd. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And that's from 1990. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get up to speed uh, with the Almanac. I think this is CBS Morning on uh, Alfred Kinsey. Now a page from our Sunday morning almanac, June 23rd, 1894, 125 years ago today, the day sex researcher Alfred Charles Kinsey was born in Hoboken, New Jersey. A trained biologist, Kinsey achieved fame, even notoriety, in the 1940s and 50s with a pair of best-selling books about male and female sexual behavior. Controversial research he defended on scientific grounds. I discovered that there was practically nothing known about human sexual behavior in comparison with what we knew about the sexual behavior of other animals. Kinsey based his eye-opening findings on thousands of personal interviews, training his researchers to first put their subjects at ease as portrayed in the 2004 film Kinsey, starring Liam Neeson. If you ease in with innocuous questions, people forget they're giving sex histories. 
Many of Kinsey's findings and techniques remain controversial, including his occasional reliance on the accounts of admitted child abusers. Still, he's widely hailed as a trailblazer in a previously taboo field. Alfred Kinsey died in 1956 at the age of 62. Today, the research he pioneered continues at the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University in Bloomington. We should go take a little look-see over there. <laughs> uh, research is coming along, Indiana. <laughs> so, there you have it. That's the, that's the show on Bill Cosby uh, and his counterparts. My final thoughts on this whole situation, I think they were all into some kinky, even criminal sexual behavior, uh, but it was allowed. And as we've seen here, for some people, it's still their their past is not allowed to be brought up. But for Bill's case, he was a very useful um, patsy or, or sacrificial lamb to be taken down for me too to show that hey we got one of the big ones so um even still he was allowed to uh get out so that's the boule boule phone uh mo it's like if we like they'd like us to stop now they think we've taken this far enough i think they have (laughs) that might be the big phone that might be the white phone Uh (laughs) oh okay it's that one that's how it is huh all right no, what I mean is, like, when you start touching on Kinsey and Hugh Hefner, that's a whole different phone that rings. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mo, thank you so much, man. That was great. That was really, really enjoyable. So much fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Adam. And uh, as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And we thank you all for being here and uh, we'll be here in 14 days. Make sure you tune in. Mo Facts with Adam Curry. It's strange how sometimes, you know, you be getting a hint and you don't really want to look at it. You know, it's like the hint was a lot of looking me right in the face. I should have known something's wrong. Like, when I get up in the morning to kiss you, you just kind of give a throwaway kiss. Like when I said, how was today? You just kind of say, fine, and go ahead. I should have known... When you be off on the telephone in the corner, kind of whispering so I don't hear. I should have known when you hold my hand and it just didn't mean nothing. It's strange how when you get to him, you don't take to him. It's strange how when you see the sign, you don't read it for what it says. I should have known when you was on the telephone, talking low.
to know when I kiss you in the morning and you don't kiss back. I should have known when I said, how's everything going? How you just say nothing. I should have known when you look at me and your eyes don't stay. 